Welcome, everyone, to this completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. I'm Pat Contry. Ian cannot be here this week, but in his place is my pal and yours, hopefully, Alex Fasciani. Hi! Insert cheering noise uh, here. Uh, Alex of Super Beer Brothers fame, the Chaluminati podcast, which is fantastic, and other stuff and Pokemon stuff that I don't understand because I'm an old man. <laughs> yeah. I did see you tweet out to not spoil Pokemon to people. I'm not sure how you can spoil Pokemon. Nobody speak to me. No one speak to me unless spoken to anymore. I'm too old. Uh, On the show today, we'll be talking about the Wii U turning 10 years old. Wow. Uh, The Atari Atari 50th anniversary release, fives and zeros, as we like to do on the CU podcast, and more. Twitter descends into hell. Alex, how was your weekend? Excellent weekend. I had a great weekend. It was kind of crazy, though. I, uh, my family was in from Hawaii who I haven't seen in longer than it even seems because of the pandemic extended and, family. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, have relatives in Hawaii and they're all here. And, uh, amazingly somehow also that one video game or company where I work, uh, raised like a hundred thousand dollars to fight dementia at Indyland. Oh, wrong one. Damn it. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I hit the wrong button. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alex. I, I hit the wrong button. That's that great was, news. No, that was for dementia. That sound was for oh, dementia. Oh, yeah. Dementia sucks. Yeah, that's from dementia. My grandfather had, well, more Alzheimer's, but there was dementia thrown in and whatever. Yeah. Shout out to the Open Hand Fund. We raised a bunch of money. We showed off a bunch of new indie games. It was a great time, and it was insane because we did it from the Bourbon Room on Hollywood Boulevard live for in like person. three straight days. Yeah. It was insane. It was beautiful. It was actually beautiful. Did you see the set? I did. I checked in. I checked yeah. in a couple times. I checked. Yeah, Jared got a tattoo. Like it was nuts. It was a crazy well, time. Not totally permanent, but semi-permanent tattoo. You told me about. Yeah, it. ephemeral is the name of the company, and they're like, you know, I'm not here to do a brand deal for them, but it is nope. an interesting. It's a remarkable hey. premise. You could do a brand deal, but you got to throw some money towards Pat towards Patway here because this yes. is a, this is a whole yeah. different audience. This is not the Chaluminati audience. This is the CU podcast audience. Are are you? Do you feel the pressure of filling in for Ian? We've been doing the podcast now for over nine years. Never had a fill-in guest before. I've done the podcast myself before, obviously, with that Ian. When he was out, do you feel pressure at all? Do you know what what what's, what you're in store for? I, I say this: I'm honored to be carrying the torch today, <laughs> and I hope that I don't let you down. You don't have to worry about that. me. You worry about the the freaky retro gaming YouTube audience, the podcast yeah, audience. Speaking, That's fine. That's what you worry I'm speaking about. Speaking to the the freaky retro the retroers. <laughs> the I hope I'm not too much for you. <laughs> uh, did you see Wakanda Forever? I did. I loved it. I was loved so it. impressed with it. Loved it. Yeah. I I really did. I mean, look, I loved it. It's a Marvel movie. Like, I like I don't have <laughs> I, I don't have high expectations going into the theater ever. I'm not trying to like really open my mind super far in the Marvel movies. But as I was walking out, I was with a friend of mine, and he said something which I thought was very astute, which was like, "Wow, there was like a character arc in there." You know? Kind, yeah, yeah. There's character arcs in there the was first like growth. one. There was genuine growth yeah. in this film. And which does not happen in sequels a lot, and especially not Marvel sequels. And I thought this one well, was great. Well, uh, the, the, my favorite one is, is still Winter Soldier. That's a sequel. Captain Winter Soldier. That's an amazing movie. And that's a that movie could that that movie was like a time and a place. Nowhere else are we going to get like the conversation as a Marvel movie. <laughs> that like blew my mind. I couldn't believe that happened. D- Deer Hunter, the Marvel version, <laughs> yeah, of Deer, yeah, where all these superheroes uh, s- sit around and start playing Russian roulette because yeah. they're tired but, of, of things. Uh, Namor walked away with the movie. Thought it was oh. amazing. 
Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his the actor's name? Tenacuerta. Tenacuerta. He was. I I'd seen him much uh, younger, like uh, on Narcos Mexico. Narcos Mexico, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. He, he was he, he was kind of like obviously unleashed, like a wild man. You know, yeah. ends up macheting a random uh, tourist in, in the spoilers in the taco shop, which is based upon a real event that happened. That is an like amazing a, uh, piece of television. If you ever have a chance to watch Narcos Mexico, by the way, both narco series, yeah. both of them. Um, but when I saw it, I was like, OK, I was like, they're, they're going to change him to be, you know, Mayan Mesoamerican culture with Namor versus Atlantean. And I was like, OK, let's see what they do. I mean, I studied Mayan, the Mayan culture in college. Not that I'm like an expert on it. But I'm like, OK, let's see what they do with it. And I was just like, all right, how are they going to make it fit? And they made it fit better than I thought they did. They had an explanation uh, for uh, the, the, the Mayan people. What was it the 1500s? These are, yep. By the way, this is spoiler heavy, by the way. People get pissed at me. We are going to spoil this shit right now. And if you have to be concerned about it, I'm going to talk for another 20 seconds. Fast forward like a half hour. If you're I have no, I, I want I want to be clear. I have no uh, sympathy for you, and I hope that you, what I hope I hope that you can relax and just enjoy this conversation and go see the movie. Nobody's ruining anything for you. It's going to be okay. <laughs> well, we are ruining it if you haven't seen it yet. But okay. ruining it, ruining uh, it. So whatever. okay, so they they gave like a a, a, a semi rational explanation at least in the MCU for. For Mayans, then living and, and transforming into underwater mutants, and I was like, "Okay, that was clever." I was not expecting that. You got yeah. me on that. You got me. Yeah, I was even like, got like a great like Spanish language version of Namor in there. Yeah, yeah. They, like, they threw cool. in colonialism to, to make it fit with the conquistadors coming in and fucking things up, and giving the natives smallpox, which really happened. And then to save themselves, they end up turning themselves into uh, fish people. Basically, that's what basically yeah. happens. Yeah, I'm like, okay, ass, you, you yeah. got me. You got me. So I, I was always very cautiously optimistic because obviously the death of Chadwick Boseman, how they would treat that. Would it be a Princess Leia thing uh, like they did with Star Wars? Or they, yeah. I was like, Ugh. but they, they treated it with a really good amount of respect, I feel. Obviously, they, they centered the movie. They anchored the movie around the emotion of the actor dying. So, like, people were crying in the theater when I saw it on Which Saturday. was bold, yeah. I thought that was crazy to start on, like, such a somber thing. Well, I'm not sure how else you can start it, though. I mean, I, I, I thought they – I, I didn't know if they were going to kill off the character in a mission. Uh, to have it be, a, like, a sort of like a disease you don't see parallels the real-life thing with a person dying of a disease. It, it, you just got to, like, accept that, well, they have all this technology, but they can't save the Black Panther of their disease. But, it's, okay, we have to just accept that. Obviously, because the actor really died. He but, died. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can't do anything about that. I did. I did. Part of me did want it to be recast and still want it to be recast after watching the movie. I'm like, I would love to have seen the original script uh, beforehand. That's but, true. But, I feel, though, like you kind of both parties kind of both camps kind of get what they want in a way eventually. Yeah. 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 Angela Bassett carried the movie. I, Unreal, I think. Yeah. She and Tina Huerta, like literally uh, the two monarchs. It was uh, so like awesome in that way i was very disappointed i thought it was too cheap to kill off her character after chadwick boson uh, died it's like you really need to kill off the entire family almost i'm like i think i would rather have seen her stuck around uh but okay they did that to get your like you know two-thirds through the movie gut punch that happens and they set her up for like obi-wan kenobi <laughs> Angela Bassett Kenobi. Is gonna they, show she, she did she showed she literally did she was like use the false <laughs> she really did. You got the Killmonger cameo, which was nice. That kind of shocked people, probably. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. She's thinking like uh, Killmonger now about just getting revenge. 
and and the dead ass mutant uh like dog whistle <laughs> dog whistle i i'm a mutant it's like okay you're well yeah like like uh what's his name is now the second like real mutant in marvel we had uh miss marvel and now we have uh like namor confirmed to be a x gene ass mutant oh the original mutant because he's been alive for 500 years you know yeah, so it's i mean like, you know yeah. so far as far as we know he is the oldest one we know about yeah, and I, I forget if they retconned it in the in the actual Marvel comics. I don't remember. Apocalypse uh, is older for sure, and there's others, but like Namor is like the first mutant, like the two non mutants. He is at least the, first, the like the OG in the comics. At least he was appeared in Marvel comics oh, yeah. number one in thirty eight. So I mean, like yeah. thirty eight or thirty nine. I always forget uh, with him and the, and the android Human Torch. But it's such a yeah. great character that I really. For uh, the the rights to him what was it was it was it, it was I think it was a universal who also have the Hulk rights still to this mm-hmm. day, yes. And somehow they was reverted back, or I forget if it was Fantastic Four with that. I forget. But either way, that's why you couldn't see him up to this point. But it's such a great character because it really is. It's not a villain character. It's just I'm protecting my people, and uh, you know we're talking about going to war with humans over trashing the ocean. So, you know, seventy, eighty years ago. So it's like yeah. you know, like a really poignant thing. Imagine reading about that in the forties, and you're like, ah, this isn't a thing we do. We're not harming the oceans, and it's like, no, we're fucking up the oceans like way more than we should be nowadays with an with, with a giant island of plastic that we can't. It's like the like size the of like one, Texas. Yeah, it's like it's like an evil fortress. It's so bad. But they also like didn't compromise too much on his character either. Like, no, he has his little stupid feet wings, and they made him awesome. And they oh, like it, they did it. They it gave was, him the ears. They gave him the Spock ears, and the elf yeah. ears, and they gave him they the gave him bathing little, suit, the little like they French gave Riviera 1963 look. <laughs> they, gave him, they gave him the green trunks. Yeah, you know, and uh, not that it was a plausible explanation, but at least it was like okay, I see how this they built this in, and obviously they built in. The Mesoamerican culture and the God stuff and the, the the winged serpent stuff. I'm like, okay, okay, you got me on that. Was it a perfect movie? No, no, yeah, no. Nobody set out to um, make that movie. Obviously, you, you, right? This is this, my biggest problem was uh, uh, Riri Williams. That was totally uh, well. We got to introduce this character. We're going to choose this movie to do it. Make it work. R- write it yeah. in and include her. And I'm like, she didn't need to be in the movie. I mean, she at all. Didn't. I don't think she would have been if, the, if it was a Chadwick movie. I think it was just kind of like a little bit more to fill out the the plot a little bit, and and they're 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 soft launching her show this way too. But that's what I mean, cool. though. If this was an independent movie, not in this larger machine, like a cog in a machine, she, she would not have been in the movie. No, that, no that, way. That, that was just like, well, we got to go and find the person that came up with this machine to find uh, the vibranium. I'm like, what? Wait, wait, what? We're moving a little quickly here. What? Yeah. The professor stole it. What's happening? What? I said to myself, what's happening here? And why, if it was that important, why weren't the CIA already on her ass? Like, she wouldn't be just hanging out at some college in some right. dorm. Like, yeah. like that was you. You had to like jump through so many. Like, at least in my head, jump through so many hoops to in order to make that fit in the plot. I'm just like, this is weird. And this is that's like this is a franchise part of like a thousand other movies, and and plus the character had no arc and nothing to do. So I'm like, yeah, she really had I, nothing to do. But she was, I would, I would say though, she is like well cast and like enjoyable on the screen. And I like her stuff that she made; it looks cool. But yeah, like, <laughs> like there's just, I, I like the suit that she was made or given at the end. I don't, she like designed it and then they like three D printed it. I, I'm not sure what happened, but it I, looks great. It's like Gundam stuff. It's vibes. <laughs> I, uh, I'm the I'm here for it. I, I just think uh, it was a little bit too much. Where I'm like, this is just a setup for something else. It, especially since like, oh, they're like, oh, we got to keep your suit. 
and we're going to send you back home. And I'm like, then why? What just happened? Like, what? What? Like, what was the point of her character? Just they to, needed her back to zero for the show because they probably already made the show and didn't know how much she was going to be in the. You movie. You think so? So sort of like, okay, we got to write her into the movie and, and do that. And I'm like, okay. There's like some really uh, weird scenes, like in groups where she's like there, but it's like she definitely didn't need to be on set that day for that scene. And it's mm-hmm. like. What's going on at the end of that movie? Why are they like all just bunched together on top of? The uh, and, and she's just flying around. You're right. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like she, was yeah, she wait a minute. Movie? Yeah, where was she at that point? She wasn't yeah. helping out. Was she? Was she? Was she shooting them? I forget. Um, she's just there, but she's in the suit. So I'm like, I don't know if she was even originally in this. Like, yeah, I, like, I don't know. Yeah, they, they, I mean, they got a cool car chase out of it in uh, in uh, the U.S. When, when they come over. Uh, the yeah. other thing was, uh, uh, Mar- I love Martin Freeman. He didn't need to be in the movie. Uh, either that was just sort of tacked on that was a setup for uh, his uh, american and, accent has gotten better i'll say that uh has it i, I feel like he's, he's talking like hi like this now it's like he's trying to cover it up by talking like this now. like a 40s gangster a little bit <laughs> yeah, like a little bit I'm, I'm like i don't remember martin freeman talking like that before <laughs> i don't remember that too he's like he had a glow up in between the movies but that was just like a setup again that's a setup for the um what the hell is it called their version of a uh, suicide squad that's coming out in a couple yeah years. thunderbolts thunderbolts uh, that's all that but- is Here's here's the thing I will say, though, because we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Like I saw in the same theater, like in the same week, I saw Black Panther and I saw Black Adam. And I want to say that the big difference between what DC is doing right now across the board, I know there's standouts in both. I know that there's some really good Marvel movies and some real good DC movies, and that's fine. Are there real good DC movies? There's There's some good ones. There's There's like one and a half. Okay. Like, like, I'm not going to get into which ones I think they are. I'm just saying I'm not talking shit on every single movie, every single director. Sure. The bar of quality for the special effects, for the compositions, for the, like, creative vision of the movies – WB is kind of like getting lapped a little bit in terms of how they're making movies in this day and age. And I think that the recent struggles that they've had don't just stay with DC. They also extend to things like Harry Potter and stuff that they just oh yeah really Di- know what they're doing. Disney like, has even, the best team. The best yeah. yeah. I mean, my friend, turf, my friend used take to- the turf conversation even out of it as a as a as a, even an issue. Just the actual Harry Potter property. If J.K. Rowling didn't just lose her mind in rich imaginary land, sure, like you'd still be struggling with a movie series that doesn't know what the fuck it is, and it's just because they're trying to like spin this situation into like some kind of packageable and like long-term vision that is just not well, there's the problem is they're starting with their long-term vision now when they should have started it 10 years ago that's the yeah. problem yeah. like couldn't be happier that james gunn is the guy but sure and he's, I'm sh- and he's tweeting out pictures of mr terrific and lobo so i'm like <laughs> ready i don't even know who mr terrific is but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh that's why i saw people say about lobo's like well you got jason momoa already playing aquaman can he play lobo i said that'd be insane but i guess you can do it i you if, can play both if, characters if anybody can james gunn can but i just want to uh, say that in general, if DC is ever going to compete with something like Wakanda Forever, which is just even if you didn't love it, it is like unmistakably like a quality picture. Yes, that everybody tried to make a good thing when they made it, uh, and uh, you know some amazing actors in there. Shout out uh, the one thing I did like about uh, Black Adam that I thought was hilarious is uh, Henry Winkler's in there as the original Adam Smasher. So uh, now that's canon. He's Golden Age, so that's good. Henry Winkler, the Fonz spoilers is in the movie. It's like a little cameo really? in like the first two I seconds just, of the movie. That's so weird. I just saw yeah. Waterboy on TV, one of the only Adam Sandler movies I like that, and Punch Drunk Love was on the other day. And oh, I'm like, well, I love that movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, that's I, like I, 10 out of 10. Well, I love for who's a bulk, but that's a, 
another thing. Sorry. <laughs> uh, let's talk. Let's let's transition to uh, good old blockchain and video games. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Oh, you know how what? this has been working out great so far with Ubisoft yes. knocking on the park in Square Enix and Konami? I like it because NFTs uh, and blockchain stuff are just so real, you know? <laughs> like, that's what I like about it. So, it's just so tan- tangible and able for me to understand even what the fuck they're talking about. That's what I like about it. From Yahoo Entertainment, the link's there for you, Alex. You can read along. Uh, yeah, I'm in there. Sony NFT and blockchain experiments have begun, a patent suggests. So um, a newly patent, revealed patent suggests that Sony NFT and blockchain implementation could be in the works, titled Tracking Unique In-Game Digital Assets Using Tokens on a Distributed Ledger. Patent was submitted last year, May 7th, back when this stuff was hot, but only published this week on November 10th, back when this shit is dead. Um, yeah. uh, this is what the abstract says. The digital assets may be in-game digital assets, such as in-game ca- items or characters. The digital assets may be video game, digital media assets representing moments of gameplay of a video game. Great. A clip or images. The digital asset is created in distributed ledger, ledger tracking history. The digital asset is created and stored across devices. A unique token, blah, blah, blah. So this is what I think of. They're thinking like they're going to try to sell like you creating your own cool in-game moment that you capture yourself, then put it on the market and sell it. I can't wait to co-own my headshots with Activision Blizzard. Yeah, and and obviously they get a cut of it. (laughs) I mean, Ian always had the point when we talk about this stuff was there's nothing that you could not – there's nothing in the history of video games that you need the NFT for because a lot of this stuff has already been previously done with owning your own digital – uh, character, you know, weapons and and artifacts. Like, yeah. you, you don't need this shit, but it's them trying to force the ecosystem on it. Like, that's what yeah. it is. That's it. There's no, I like, I know everything about it, NFTs. I like, I'm not, I'm not ignorant to it at all. I know what it is. I know, mm-hmm. like, it's really not actually that complicated what an NFT is. Uh, if you just like read an article about it, right? There is nothing about it that in any way makes any sense like why we would why we would implement it like there's no like i am the devil's advocate i am that guy when some when people hate something that's like my number one reason why i want to figure i want to experience it for myself there is no justification for nfts and let me tell you something i think you're bearing the lead here actually a little bit with the thing about the thing that it was registered in 2021 in may and is like be only being published now ftx there is no way that after what has happened with ftx that there is going to be movement on this ever again and anybody and you well, mark mark my words right now if you're listening to this write them down captains of industry that listen to the completely unnecessary podcast write, write them down if you choose nfts you are choosing loss you're just throwing money into a hole i don't know if anybody's ever going to get rich off nfts ever again you mean ever? Even like a one-off? Even like the even like the, quote unquote the blue chip NFTs, like the yacht eight club, yacht eight clubs and crypto punks. It's over. It's, it's over. over. Alex Fasciano declared the death November fifteenth, two thousand twenty-two. You had a good you had a good uh, year and a half run uh, yeah. NFTs, but it's done. I'm I'm calling this with the accuracy and confidence of whoever the fuck said we crossed eight billion humans. 
<laughs> okay. NFTs are dead. Same day that we crossed 8 billion humans. I didn't even see this about this PlayStation Stars thing where Sony had to come out. They were digital collectibles, and they had to yeah. say they weren't NFTs. We missed this. What was this shit? So PlayStation Stars is the loyalty program that they have. Uh-huh. Uh, and they give you, like, missions and things to do with your with yourself, and then... They give you points for buying games and like buying certain games or like if you buy deals or you play certain games on certain times, you like earn like stuff for your shelf. Okay. It's just kind of like, it's kind of like achievements for buying and, and shopping and consuming. Uh, yeah. It's like, how many games did you buy? Oh, there, here's a reward. Like here's, you reach the achievement. You can buy like a sack boy that goes on your shelf. But not an NFT. They had to say it wasn't an NFT. It it doesn't use the blockchain. It is exactly the same thing as an NFT in all other ways. (laughs) Which proves that you don't need the blockchain. Like that's the thesis that Ian has is exactly correct. (laughs) No, but the only reason that this is mysterious to anyone is because it's just three letters. Nobody knows what a non-fungible token is. (laughs) No one knows what they don't care to know. All they know is that there's a billion dollars attached to it, and I want to be involved. It's like an energy drink. Get it early. It doesn't mean anything. Get in early. That's my phrase. Um, So FTX, which was a a pretty damn big crypto exchange, one of the biggest ones. I'm not sure if it's the biggest ones. I'm not sure if it's the biggest Binance or crypto company. It's just comedy. It went to crap. And it's funny because when I looked it up, I was like, wait a minute. Is this the one? I said, is this the one? I I literally said, so there were like four big crypto commercials during the Super Bowl. It harkened back. It reminded me of all the fucking Pets.com commercials during the uh, the dot-com crash. Remember you saw those commercials like in 99 and 2000 before the crash? That reminded me. I'm like, wow, I'm seeing uh, crypto exchange commercials. This is going to end really fucking horribly. And it has this year. And so one of them, remember, was a floating QR code on the screen where I was like, that's cool. I got to get up now and try to follow my phone in order to snap the picture. Uh, but there was a one with, like, creepy young LeBron James. And then there was oh. one there was one humorous, very well-done commercial with Larry David as a person throughout time poo-pooing all these inventions from, like, Edison and the light bulb, uh, coffee, um, like like the fork, all these, and a very humorous commercial. And at the end, at the end, the guy goes, "Oh, FTX. It's an exchange that's very secure. You can uh, buy and trade crypto." And Larry David goes, "Nah, I don't see it happening." And we were laughing because we we're like, "Well, Larry's actually right. This is going to fail crypto. And when is it going to happen? Well, it's happened in the past week. Yeah. It's happened in the past not that even exchange. a year, not even a year." He said something in there like he's like, and I'm never wrong. He like yeah, said, I said like, I'm, I'm never, never wrong, wrong about these things. That's yeah. what he said. <laughs> about the wheel. Like, democracy and the constitution uh so it failed miserably um they were what over leveraged and the 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 guy allegedly who was running it was using uh uh, the the consumer funds the the customer funds on other shit and so like if you want to take out money the money's not there anymore because the money's being used for something so it's it's uh, i don't want to get into like a lot of it but it just shows you what a failed experiment this whole thing has been with blockchain and how it's just all about being human greed over everything else. And yeah. all the utility, we're going to make our own crypto uh, uh, city on the, in the middle of nowhere on an island. We're going to do all this and that. And it's like, no, dude, this is about just getting rich. That's the problem what is, is people look at this uh, shit and they think that somebody who has this much money must have like figured it out. It's the same thing with... Uh, fucking elon musk in general sure. just like they're like how could he possibly be an absolute moron if he has that much money and it's like the world becomes like 30 times more hilarious and 30 times more 
just soul crushingly depressing once you realize that everyone is as out of it as you are. No one has anything that like nobody has any idea what they're doing and you're basically just a comedian from Watchmen. A like, lot yeah, a lot of people a lot of people fail upward including rich people. Especially people that were one of my favorite ex- expressions uh they were uh, they, they were born on third was it what was the expression? They hit a triple but they're fuck. Or if the triple bore on third quote, I'm getting screwed up with it. It's I think it goes if they have too much money, they can never fail and they believe that they are god. I think that's how it goes. Born on third, thought they hit a triple. That's the expression. Yeah. Meaning that yeah, they're, in a, third, they're, yeah. they're, they're in a great position, but they didn't earn it. No. They didn't earn it. They were given so much to start at a great spot. And when you start with money, a ton of money, it's a lot easier to make a ton of money. You they can screw it up, what? yes. But it's very hard to screw it up once you have a, 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 a certain amount of money. It makes you. It gives you... Um, influence it gives you power it makes connections easier to make more money people trust you because you have more money they think you're smart when sometimes you're not so like that's that's the expression when it comes to that speak yeah. speaking of blockchain uh fifa <laughs> my favorite my favorite segue of all time uh this article comes from luke punk at kotaku I love I love how Kotaku doesn't care anymore about their about their headlines and <laughs> they're violence. just talking mad shit yeah um FIFA announces entire range of nightmarish blockchain World Cup games. The byline is what losing EA's blockbuster series does to a motherfucker. So yes, so <laughs> EA and FIFA cannot come to terms growing uh, going forward. That was a big thing we talked about a few months ago. So it's going to run out in like a, whatever a year or two. I forget when it's running out. Right, uh, but um, yeah, the partnership is over. They had it for thirty years. The partnership. So now you're going to see a lot of just garbage. I guess FIFA games on your phone. I guess you're going to see them blockchain games, and they're going to try to. FIFA wants their money. There's a there's a new documentary out on Netflix about how corrupt it used to be. Remember the guy was taking down the guy that had a FIFA like five six years ago. Oh, yeah. you, you look at uh, the history of FIFA. It's not it's not pretty. And so this, I don't know. I don't want to say about this, Alex, but it's just ridiculous. It's. I mean, look. It's the game's called AI League. Like we're done. <laughs> like we're out. Like. Get out of here. Like, look at these things. They are just, there's no creative inspiration behind them. They look like Gumball. It's not like this. Gumball is a cartoon from 12 years ago. Like, let's cut the shit. Nobody's going to buy this. The only people that you're going to get addicted to this are like, uh, the only people that are going to spend money on it is if they fall for it. Well, if they think they can uh, get into the ecosystem early, get in early and you can get your, your, what is it? Gumball character NFTs. Their fucking plan is probably just to send like a water bottle and some headphones to some idiot on Instagram who fucking plays FIFA, and that's what it's going to be. That's gets... their fucking marketing plan, and it's going to well, sell like enough money maybe to save their asses until they can figure out what video game company they can go crawling back to because pretty much the FIFA the game is the brand for most of the world, Sure, and, they're, and that's gone now. So what do they got? A, a corruption scandal and <laughs> the one tournament that happens every four years, which is going to happen. It starts up this week, actually. In Qatar, is, in USA, Qatar. USA, yeah. in Qatar, where it's going to be 180 degrees. Good place yeah, to hold. And there's it. nothing shady is uh, going to happen at all, for uh, sure. No, nothing at all there. Yeah. Um, so that's the one game that's going to happen. There's a Roblox tie-in. I'm not even going to click that link to see what's happening. Uh, then there's going to be another game called uh, FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 in the Upland Metaverse. I don't know about the Upland Metaverse. I don't know its business. I don't know what they do. Uh, but you can buy and sell virtual properties there. Now you can collect official FIFA World Cup digital assets, including legendary video highlights of the tournament. 
So I I love I love the NBA. And when this stuff was hot, when people didn't quite know what the hell an NFT was, April of like last year or March, on the official ESPN show, they were pushing the NBA Top Shot, you know, virtual fucking card packs for NFTs where you get video clips with NBA players. I mean, bench players, but pushing is, and I'm like, I was watching this. I'm like, how is this legal? Like, how much is ESPN getting paid to promote this? They did it for like a week. But players were like, hey, I got this card. It's now worth five or 10,000. This was on ESPN pushing NFT. I could, I honestly couldn't believe it that, that they got away with it at the time. There's so I, much money. It's just yeah. dirty money. It's like, it's, it's insane. It's insane. It's like, it's, it's like as bad as the mafia running Vegas for like 50 years. You think you know I mean? so? It's as NFTs are up there in the year the and mo- a half. The amount of money that's probably already changed hands has probably eclipsed the entire history of Las Vegas. Well, yeah, because you're talking about buying and selling hundreds of billions of dollars in NFTs and cryptos. Like, it, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Me- and and the fact that the metaverse has gotten somehow looped into NFTs now, like, perfectly together as, like, the two dumbass made-up things that don't exist. <laughs> you know? Like, it's well, so fun. Like, Phil, Phil Spencer had the, the quote of the year when he called the metaverse a poorly made video game that nobody wants to play. Yeah, and they're already trying to backtrack off off uh, off of uh, what is it? Meta, Facebook changed their name from to, to Meta because their Facebook name is fucking toxic as hell because of all the stuff that happened and all the fake news stuff and the election stuff. So they changed the Meta. They pump in billions of dollars and just realize no one wants this shit. And it's like, wow, thanks again. Are you are you really that intelligent? The person running Facebook, you just blew all this money, and everyone's telling you like this is a horrible idea to invest all yeah. this money into VR and to and, and into the metaverse. Like, what are you doing? Let's go back to video games for a second. <laughs> this was alerted on Twitter. I don't have who alerted me. I'm sorry. Um, but this ha- this ha- has happened at least one other time. Rose report. It's it's a giant thing on the gaming subreddit. Uh, yeah. my, from from it's gonna be me. M E I. My local mall has a Game Boy Pokemon cart vending machine. Instead of like Fritos and 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 lifesavers, you have uh, what are probably ninety nine point nine percent bootleg. Pokemon Game Boy Vance and Game Boy carts and little yeah, baggies. No doubt in my mind. The AliExpress, uh, you know, uh, specialty. The fact that it says press selection for price already already uh, uh, gives the game away. Is this where we're at? I guess that's where we're at. I mean, I remember going to the mall and they, they had, remember the carts set up in the middle of the mall? They, they probably still have them. They had the carts set up. I remember in the mid 2000s, like 2003, four, when you saw back then the Super Joy, like, you know, the, the, you know, the, the NES clones that were illegal. I'm like, well, this is interesting. This is like the first time I'm seeing NES games sold aftermarket, like in a, in a, an official product that's a bootleg, but I'm like, I'm seeing a brand new product 10 years after the NES is dead and they're making money off this shit. An now, interesting notion. That was an interesting point in time, which will never come up again in this podcast yeah, uh, right. at all. But, um, but this is that version of that now because now it's it's a connection of well I like bootleg shit individual and people like Pokemon but if you go on AliExpress you can buy this shit for like probably like three dollars each this shit four or five dollars each or get yeah. in bulk sent so they're probably selling for twenty five thirty bucks I'm guessing that's my that's guess. how they go they sell for like forty dollars fifty dollars loose new right maybe more seventy dollars uh, probably uh, like the actual the actual games. I'll look but, up. I'll, I mean, like, I'll look up Pokemon uncynical, Like as an uncynical, like if if I'm trying to imagine myself as an uncynical Gen Z or millennial or like late millennial type of person uh, who hasn't stared into the void at the center of video games <laughs> and lost all sense of joy in my life, right? Like 
Pokemon is the one that makes me think of being a kid and it would be delightful. You know, it's carefully chosen here to be a delight to run into this at the mall for the precise reason that somebody's going to take a picture of it. And if somebody sees this, who's not me or Pat Contry, they're going to look at it and they're going to say, I love Pokemon. I grew up Where with is it. This? Yeah, I used to have that. I threw yeah. out my Where Pokemon yellow. I want to go get, I want to go see the Pokemon vending machine. Yeah. And so, you know, props to whoever made this shitty product. Are you saying this was this is a marketing ploy to do this so they talk about it on the podcast to get people go to that to go to that mall? Is that what you're saying? It's a backdoor uh, ad integration? Is that I'm, what just you're saying, saying? I'm just saying the marketing on this is killer. Like like what? What the, the fact that they chose Pokemon only and it's like every Pokemon game. It's like made to be a Reddit post more than it's like they're gonna sell out. Like they want to, they want to make a splash with this and be the people that have the Pokemon vending machine, and I'm sure they're going to sell plenty. <laughs> I just think they, they realize they can make money because it's it's for like the, for the Zoomers and the younger millennials like yourself. This is the stuff you grew up with. This is stuff you love, and you probably don't. Unlike uh, unlike crazy people like me, most people toss out and don't want to. They don't think about their retro games once they become an adult. Then twenty years later, like oh my god, I see this like you said in the mall, and they're gonna yeah. they're gonna. I don't think this is an advertisement for them because we don't know what mall this is even in. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm not saying like the mall's doing this. I'm just saying like whoever put this machine in the mall mm-hmm. is doing like really made a good co- like it would be different if in there was like you know uh, I don't know Mega Man Battle Network and like uh, uh, Dynasty Warriors, some Legend Advanced. of Zelda game or Super Mario, it's like some much more like you know niche kind of esoteric stuff than like Pokemon, which just immediately makes an impression, right? You're like, oh, Pokemon on the original hardware, that's so cool, uh, which is a demographic that does exist out there, as we'll talk about later, I promise. Do you know where you can find some authentic products? UltimateNintendo.com. That's where you can go. You can get the uh, RBI baseball stickers, new old stock, certain NES and Super Nintendo guidebooks there. Uh, Alex, uh, you know, might have an article. Might have an hey, article going that's on. That's true. If you like what I do here, you're going to be, uh, it's going to be exactly what you expect. Uh, yeah, and then we have... Uh, Enamel pins. See you podcast. No Alex pin yet. That's in the future. And then uh, <laughs> I'll be on Twitch Wednesday, twitch.tv slash country code, the best of the retro TV commercials. I want to get Alex to show up one time. And I'm on Cameo, which no one uses anymore. But I do a shout out every once in a while. Cameo.com slash Do you say whatever they ask you to say? Yeah, for Will the most part. Unless like... it's like weird, I'll just ignore it. Or if they literally want me to send uh, uh, feet pics or video, I'm like, no. <laughs> you know that's happened <laughs> like, like twice the master system is better than the than the nes we like say stuff like that yeah I, i've kind of done that, the, that stuff but by literally to the lonely gamer podcast like when you do that stuff i, I literally had some uh I, I think she was a woman say i i love to get you know a, a video of your feet and then i didn't reply or said like oh no they said lol just kidding I'm like no you're never kidding you're, you're, you're never kidding <laughs> you're throwing out you're th- you're throwing out the reel and seeing what's gonna bite that's what happens that's what happens I'm, there. I'm so against all communication on the internet. I'm so... <laughs> you picked a great profession. I don't want anybody to. You should be. You again. should be like a food critic out in the middle of like uh, North Dakota, or like you, know you really don't You're need the right. internet. You're a hundred percent correct. I should be that. You could probably retire. Be... You could probably buy a house for thirty thousand, retire, yeah. and do yeah. that. I'm in the New Yorker. I'm the New Yorker food critic. Give me that. Uh, Harper's Bazaar. Take. I'll take me there. Speaking of a future N64 guidebook, which we kind of were, kind of weren't. Simcopter 64. 
which was uh, known to exist in some fashion. The, the hottest p- game of 97. The, p- the port of <laughs> Simcopter, which came out. I never played Simcopter. I don't know if you did. Part of this, I've, I mean, I have played it like in my life. It didn't look like this exactly when I played it. Part of the Sim craze of the mid to late 90s, once you get to like SimCity 2000, you get Sim Ant, you get Sim Earth, you know, you get all these Sim games that came out. Sim Tower, that was one. And you had Simcopter. So I knew this was coming down the, uh, the line. And it's, it's cool news. Uh, so I'm not sure this is the final version that was shown at trade shows. I didn't read the entire article. Uh, but one of one of the prototypes got got uh, got released. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's, it's from 97. It was announced in May of 97. And it's just a direct port. But the build is the E3 build, maybe? Yeah, so like this was in magazines. There's pictures from, um, uh, let's see, what was that Nintendo Space World in '97? So I guess there, there's at least one version, more than one version that's out there. With it's this. very early, according to the article, and it just looks like it's like a almost like a proof of concept to prove that you could maybe do the Simcopter gameplay on an N64. And it's a, which it's, honestly would be sick. Like I love Pilot Wings. This is kind of the same vibe. And they said this is a more story based level initial structure than the free form uh, one from the, the, the game it was ported from. So probably to keep the scope in line, because it is an, an N64 game, it's not a PC game, right. uh, I guess maybe that was, uh, it was being pitched as a non-violent action strategy game. Well, that's an interesting one. Very interesting. Um, it's, like those, it's like those disaster report type games, you know, like early version of something like that, kind of, I guess. I don't know. Um, so maybe you'll hear about it in the future n64 guidebook because there's going to be an unreleased game section. they should do that they should have a book that does all the n64 games and all the all just anything that you'd ever want to know about the n64 all the hardware yeah. um the japanese games full reviews that would be a fantastic thing the japanese it. games yeah that's a great idea the somebody D- should do the that. dd games the disc games that's going to be amazing. I don't even if know what a DD is. I'd love to read about what the DD even is. The, the disc drive. Well, maybe a, a guidebook will come out in 2023 that will tell you about it. And maybe, maybe it's been hell on earth trying to get it produced. And that's why my out. hair is gray because of that. <laughs> I hope it comes out. Your hair looks great, by the way. It's it's honestly gotten dark and darker the past six months. People thought I was crazy. It's like no, I went by look at pictures and videos. The, the, it, now that my hair is a stress level indicator, that's how yeah. I'm going to live my life, Alex. If my hair starts getting grayer, I'm going to cut shit out because I'm very vain and narcissistic when it com- comes out. I'm like, well, hair's getting grayer. I'm working too hard, too much stress. Yeah. And that's this it. is not solid, Pat. This is punished, Pat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Venom, uh, Pat. While we're talking about Nintendo here, uh, they're refusing to re- repair consoles if you're rude to staff. This is according Huzzah. to this here, is according here. to according to Eurogamer. Pip pip tut tut. Hell uh, from, yeah! From Tom Phillips, deputy editor of Eurogamer. Eurogamer is also always very solid for news yeah. on stuff. Yeah, shout out to Euro, Eurogamer for legacy legacy quality. Nintendo of Japan has updated its terms and conditions to allow its customer service staff to re- refuse repair requests if faced with harassment. Wow! An updated Nintendo Japanese repair and warranty regulations in October warned customers may, they may no longer be eligible for a product repair or replacement if they are found to be, have behaved inappropriately to staff. I don't know if that's via email, phone. If you're walking up to their, you know, Kyoto headquarters, I have no idea how that works. I don't I should know. be allowed to not upload videos if people are rude to the staff. <laughs> Do you imagine if, like, if they're searching for something like YouTubers upload videos, complaining, okay, that, that person, um, gargoyle ass twenty four, they're not getting their, they're not getting their three DS repair. They're not getting their Patreon benefits. <laughs> um, 
someone asked, is this like, does this go against laws and regulations for warranties? And it's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't I mean, it's Japan, right? I don't know. Like, I don't know what their rules are. Probably, I probably would in, it probably would in America unless it's like in the original agreement, right? Uh, but society is a lot more uh, polite in Japan than here. So I guess you, true. you really got to get on their bad side if this is mainly Japan in order to then to release this. You, you must have did something really bad in Japan for this. It's probably the same. It's probably the same type of people that are here because those people know no borders. They, they're uh, the ty- that type of wretched human being that wants to like <laughs> wretched talk to another person and ruin their life because they're annoyed. Just that uh, that cesspool dweller, hater tame it. That was or, that was the, the term I saw being float around about like how the you know the political discourse has uh, come online. It's, it's hater tainment. I'd rather be stupid uh, and mad, is what they are saying loudly and clearly. Okay, no other thoughts about that. Well, how far would have to go for you to get pissed off to yell at Nintendo for for not getting well, your <laughs> your console back on time, or like, well, at what point would it be like, all right, I'm gonna go nuclear on you? You fucked up my Breath of the Wild 800 uh, hour save state on this. Like, what would it take? As somebody who worked at Blockbuster Video, like, listen, I'm here for in, in place of Ian, who also worked at a retail job for a very long time. I worked at Suncoast Motion Picture Company. What, what am I, chopped liver? I worked. No. At- no, I worked. I worked at. I worked at a supermarket. Here. You get your cred. I'm just saying. I wasn't born you know, on third. I'm just saying, as somebody who's from that world as well, you know, mm-hmm. I can totally. I have complete empathy with these people, and I'm sure that it wouldn't have even been enacted if there wasn't people calling on the phone and telling you, like, "I'm going to come and kill you" or some shit like. But that. in Japan, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think that I think the the repressed anger is is very large in Japan. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I would take that. Oh yeah. I'm, Japan is a country, as far as I know, that does know how to cut loose. But I think I mean, there's a lot of people who never have cut loose. I don't think tentacle porn comes out of nowhere. That's got to come right. from somewhere. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. I'm here for it. I I I, I agree with this. I love this, and I love tentacle porn. I think it's all. Good. <laughs> all right. Speaking of Nintendo, so there was an interesting Nintendo tweet that many people thought was official. <laughs> Because it was uh, Mario giving the middle finger. Tweeted out. <laughs> but it turns out that was part of the 48 hours of advertising hell that happened last week. After the $8 verification went live, what was that, on Wednesday of last yeah. week? And it survived till like Friday. Because uh, Elon Musk, a grand idea was to have anyone pay $8 and you can get a verification uh, on, your, on your YouTube, excuse me, on your Twitter handle. And that the blue check mark. It's not even a verification at this or, point. Or excuse me, a, a check mark, which means verification <laughs> up to that point. And so people took it upon themselves to create parody accounts for gigantic businesses, which I don't think I saw coming right away. And so we're talking um, the military industrial complex. We're talking. We're talking Nintendo. We're big, talking uh, pharmaceutical medicine, companies yeah, like Eli Lilly. That. These tweets went out, and people didn't realize they were fake at first, and then they spiraled out of control that they affected stock prices going down. These The official companies had to say, oh, no, we apologize for saying that insulin should be affordable to everyone. You know, like they had to apologize for the the, 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 the parody tweet saying the, like, the, like the, the right thing, for example. So, like, it was it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. And this I'm is sh- the stuff that ret- restores my faith in humanity, by the way. Is that people can still come up with genius level ways to like fight back against these just 
heartless, faceless corporations well, in this way. Well, thank God no one tried to try to impersonate Steakums because the gloves were coming off if that was the case. You don't try to impersonate Steakums. Steakums is the, is the food of the people. Nobody's, com- <laughs> nobody's coming for a pop- populist Steakums. <laughs> populist Steakums. <laughs> Socialist Steakums. <laughs> yeah, they're coming, for, they're coming for Big Pharma, the enemy of the people. Yeah, so it was a weird time. Obviously, a lot of people thought it was going to be bad, but I don't think we saw how bad it was going to get that quickly where it's like there was probably some legal threats and or nasty phone calls made by like teams of lawyers huddled around a fucking conference table. You imagine what what Eli Lilly probably sent to, to Twitter, like the, a, like a gigantic pharmaceutical company when they saw that go out. Oh, my God. I would I would, uh, I would be like litigious as fuck. <laughs> like I would be like sending them like severed. I don't even know. Severed bird heads? I don't know what the hell. Severed pieces of whatever animal they experimented on in the basement. Heaps with no heads? Yeah. So I don't know where Twitter is going to go from here. Um, Someone asked on a voicemail, which I'm not going to play today, about, like, are you going to leave Twitter? No, this is entertaining as ever. Uh, watching watching one man blow tens of billions of dollars in a, in less than a week and then want to declare bankruptcy because he realizes, like, oh, this is bad. We're not going to have any advertisers going forward. And then then we have no revenue. Then this is even more worthless than what it was a week ago. And then so, Elon comes directly into your replies like, eh, seems like it's going to be okay to me. And then he's, and like, and then he's firing people that are – uh, trying to send up to them within the company that are he's going into their Slack and firing people for talking shit on him. If people don't know, and, Slack is inner, you know, inner company sort of like Discord, so to speak. Yeah, the champion of free speech or whatever. He said comedy is now legal on Twitter. That was his first fucking tweet. What <laughs> oh, it is because everyone's going after him. He was like, everybody needs to be parody, and then it's like Elon Musk parody. My wife left me. Like I'm just, I'm just so, I'm just so joyous about the protest stuff but honestly if you think about it it's kind of like a privilege simulator like you can kind of <laughs> a privilege simulator like if you think about it right if this was just society <laughs> if this was society if twitter was all of society <laughs> think about how privileged you must be to be able to just walk away and go do something else you know what i mean like if you're here and you're uh and you're like uh thinking to yourself, should I leave Twitter or should I stay here? Imagine if you just had to stay here and this was the only way that you could talk to anyone. That's what it's like to have no voice in a government and just be the playthings of giant rich people. You know what I mean? That to me is the thing that's so hilarious about Mario giving the finger because now he's a folk hero. He's not just a plumber. He's a folk hero. And the best thing is this link you sent me, it's like Mario would never do that. And then the account writes back, well, he did. Yeah, I mean (laughs) – you imagine if that Casper is like a twelve-year-old like kid sending that out? Like, is uh, there could be people honestly upset seeing that on Twitter? Honestly, yeah. this is where me and Ian disagree because I'm like, I was like very not pissed off, but I was like, Nintendo took down that first-person shooter where you're shooting a bunch of Pokemon and blood's flying out. I said, yeah. I don't want. I said, I don't want five-year-old kids to search on the internet and find this shit. I don't it think damages that's right. the brand. It's a completely yes. r- like like m- m- like real concern for the nintendo yeah, brand. your brand is, is your product is your revenue is your profit but like that's the way you say in business so and you have to do that shit by the yes. way you have to enforce your copyright so so casper or, or kelly toy mario replied mario never do that frowny face and then the fake nintendo with the verification blue chart said well well he did that <laughs> that tweet got a time nineteen thousand likes yeah and then the other one's even better 
because uh, uh, someone verified that Tom Warren says that the new tw- tw- Twitter verification system is going well. One of the two pictures is the middle finger of Mario. Uh, someone replies, the beauty of this is each account that gets verified paid $8. Twitter keeps the money and suspends the account. It's genius, and I hope more folks do this. It's free money for Twitter. Elon Musk replied with an on-target uh, emoji, glasses emoji, cash bag emoji, you fucking old boomer, by the way, uh, responding yeah. with just emojis. <laughs> so not realizing that, do you do you realize this means that no, you'll never get another big advertiser ever again? Yeah. By tweeting this out. Because you're showing you don't give a shit about the integrity of your systems system and that advertisers don't trust it and will never trust it going forward because the guy running the show doesn't give a shit about the He's integrity crazy. of yeah. it. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Put- if he wants to salvage this, he just needs to hire a competent CEO and try and run the company well. I thought was that. I thought up to this point in time we were going to be start. We still might start getting uh, Quibi documentaries about how that was a disaster. They didn't blow nearly the amount of money as this, and it was not a downfall that happened within like ten days. No, this is like Nero vibes. This know? is like this is like New Coke. If every uh, can of New Coke they shipped out put people in the hospital. That they drank it out of. Like, this is right. what this is. Yeah. It's wild. It's nuts. It's nuts. Like, like, like I said, like, I, would, I almost want to pay for Twitter just to keep it going so I can watch this unfold. Like, it's, it's that entertaining. I don't even it. think you should pay. I think the most punk rock thing you, should, you can fucking do is just stay on Twitter and try and use it. Well, someone said they were starting to just block every advertiser they saw to sort of to kill the impression rate of advertisers. Yeah, I mean, go for it. Like... Honestly, I hope Twitter is able to get advertisers, and I hope that the reason they're able to get them is because Twitter gets its act together. Because honestly, the level that it is important to like artists and journalists and people in countries that are trying to organize revolutions against dictators sure. and things like that. The Arab like, Spring is when it blew up, when people started using it back when was that, 2008 or nine. That's, yeah. that's what I said to myself. I think I tweeted time. This is like interesting. This is like Twitter's coming out party. Egypt are, was a big one too. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was one in there's a couple revolutions that were like on Twitter. Sure. And now it's like, you know, normal, like, you know, how do you get news about a school shooting? How do you get news about anything that's happening? It's usually through Twitter. If you are somebody in my age range, you know what I mean? Sure. Like there's, there's, there's a level of like, like uh, pure, just sociopathy that is sociopathy. so just a total lack of empathy that you can see in the way that he is running this company and it's just so oh insane. that's so anti-social personality disorder i didn't know that's what another name for it was yeah it's so it's literally a social network run by somebody with anti-social personality disorder oh it's interesting. the most it's the most ironic thing that i can think of interesting yeah. all right well, that, that was our very long intro, a little bit long usual, but you can talk, I can talk. Let's go on to the main topic. This is how we transition. If you're spending time with loved ones for the holidays, chances are you're going to hear a lot of stories, the ones you love to hear, the ones you've heard too many times. But have you ever wanted to help your loved ones document those timeless stories? It can be challenging to write an entire book of life memories, but StoryWorth makes it fun and easy. This is how anyone can write a book about their life. Every week, StoryWorth will email your loved one a single life-related question that you pick from their collection, like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? Or what's the farthest you've traveled? All they have to do is reply with a story. 
Then after a year, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories, memories, and even photos into an exquisite hardcover book, creating a valued keepsake. Millions of stories have already been told with StoryWorth because they make the process so simple. Get started with your loved one for the holidays, and before you know it, you'll be cherishing those timeless stories for generations to come. Ian has been using StoryWorth with his mother, and I know he's having a really good time with it. Help your family share their story this holiday season with StoryWorth. Go to storyworth.com slash CU podcast today and save $10 on your first purchase. That's S T O R Y W O R T H dot com slash CU podcast to save $10 on your first order. Storyworth.com slash CU podcast. This CU podcast segment is sponsored by NordVPN. It's what I use to keep myself safe online, and you can too. If you care about the security and safety of your online presence, take control of your internet experience today with NordVPN. I've used NordVPN when accessing public Wi-Fi, when I've traveled, at a cafe or diner or hotel, or just when I want internet privacy at home. It's indispensable for helping avoid nasty things out there like malware, phishing attacks, and ransomware. NordVPN protects from malicious sites, downloads, trackers, and intrusive ads. Threat protection is always on the lookout, even when not connected to a VPN. With NordVPN, all of your internet data stays safe behind a wall of next-generation encryption. Block malware and ads. Turn on CyberSec to avoid malware-hosting websites, annoying ads, and botnet control. There's a strict no-logs policy. NordVPN does not track, collect, or share your private data. NordVPN protects your data nonstop. There's a kill switch function to make sure your data will not be exposed. And NordVPN masks your IP address, keeping your browsing to yourself. There are VPN servers everywhere. Choose from 5,400-plus servers in 59 countries. Enjoy the internet with no limits or borders. P2P is welcome here. Share large files with no hassle thanks to hundreds of secure P2P servers. And there's worldwide access. Enjoy instant secure access to hundreds of streaming websites worldwide. NordVPN works on multiple devices. One account lets you connect up to six devices. And get privacy on the go. Protect your online life with one-click next-generation encryption for mobile. Take control of your internet experience today with NordVPN. Right now, you can get a two-year plan at a huge discount plus four additional months for free when you go to nordvpn.com slash podcast. It's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash podcast, or click the link in the description below. Alex! Yeah. Just say yes, Pat. Alex! Yes, Pat. <laughs> yes. yes, Pat. Um, I've been railing, and Ian have been railing against Atari. Uh, rightfully, the past three, four years, due to them driving the the once heralded Atari brand to the ground with yeah. Atari crypto, Atari hotel casino ideas, Atari speaker hats, Atari watches, which never came out, I believe, just yeah. a bunch of horrible ideas. How do we how do we take a brand that uh, older people uh, like and just drive it into the ground and try to squeeze every every penny out of it? But then there's been a turn, and then the Atari VCS, which was a disaster, and we were surprised it came out. It was delayed like a year and a half. But then there started to be a machine. Then there started to be a turnaround. Oh, yeah, it looks beautiful. You want to slap his dick on it? That's what he said. (laughs) Um, But then you start seeing these uh, these reimagining games come out the past year, uh, reimagined uh, uh, Centipede and Missile Command and Asteroids, things like that. And now we're we're to the fiftieth anniversary of Atari, nineteen seventy two. We're to, to the Pong, the early days still. We're talking, uh, we're talking pre VCS days. We're talking, they just had literally had computer space out and they had 
out Pong. That's it. Then this was announced uh, earlier this year that I was cautiously optimistic for Atari 50th anniversary celebration. Um, you play, you have it, you played it. I bought it, I played it. I, I, I only got to timeline wise, which I'll get into about 81, 82. Um, this is an incredible achievement. And I'm not saying that with any sarcasm, or this is arguably the best retro game compilation that's ever been released. I don't even think it's arguable. Like, I think the only other uh, options for this are also by Digital Eclipse, and the, this is the best one. The Cowabunga Collection, which is only Ninja Turtle games. Yeah. Um, and the SNK 40th, which blew my mind how good it was. Sure. But then again, it's SNK. Most people don't care about SNKs, the games they had in the 70s and into the early 80s. You know what I mean? A lot of people. But, but it's I the, see. But, it's, but, it's but the, the fact that they tried. They tried. The quality. Yeah. Correct. This is, a, this is a historical documentation of the history of Atari. It, it's over 100 games ranging from the arcade to the 2600 to the 5200 to the fucking Lynx and Jaguar. Jaguar. the uh, Like, oh. There are the touch me. The touch me is on there. there. There's I was going to get to that. There's yeah. the touch me, which is what then Simon took it. And Ralph Bear took his inspiration from that is reproduced on here. A, a, yeah. a tabletop game is reproduced on here. There are what is it about 10 reimagined uh, new games on here? Yeah. Haunted houses looks great. I didn't even play that uh, one. There, there's an updated Lunar Lander, which combines Asteroids gameplay. Yeah. There's, they there's made a, Airworld. Uh, there's Vector, whatever that Vector thing was that looks awesome. There, there, uh, the updated Breakout's amazing. Dude. Amazing. It reminded yeah. me of the, of the Amico one that's, that never came out. And it's the like Space Invaders Extreme, but Breakout. It's and the so Amico's going to come up again, by the way, because this does a lot of things the Amico set out to do, uh, by the way. <laughs> um, what are your general thoughts before I go into more of the details? I, I was it's, blown away. To me, like okay, like blown away. That's, yeah, I I'm like a, I I I like it. Like you said, ten out of ten. I think it's not even an argument. This is the best collection there's ever been. It's the vibe is like you're walking into like a very expensive AAA museum exhibit, and you're reading every plaque, and you're and it's it's an Atari exhibit, and you're there, and they're taking the old graphics that you love, and they're doing like beautiful things with them. Every single piece of this was made in a, uh, by someone who you finally want to make this type of stuff. I think one of the hallmarks of like gaming as a home media, which is kind of like weird to think about, like, um, you know, home media was a big part of gaming much faster than it was for movies, you know? And uh, I think like the idea that somebody was going to make a product that was going to be this like, inside the gaming inside brain is like really like the signs of people who grew up with video games their whole lives finally being in those positions to like uh you know take it from here and give you something that you were dreaming about when you were a kid and this is video games truly given the respect of the criterion collection or something like that as an actual piece of culture outside of video games and so for me like looking at the games and seeing the sort of like beautiful way that they've kind of subtly crisped the visuals of all the Atari games uh, and to make them look really nice on an HD display better than well, any like old game I've ever seen ported. Okay. 
let's yeah. talk about the structure real quick. So it's not required, but encourage you to follow along an Atari timeline. Like, like you said, you're going through like a, a virtual museum of Atari's history. So it goes by year, and then it scrolls down in the year. So it's like the, when it started as, as a Syzygy, when they did computer space, it taught, there's a story. There's, I think it was over an hour of new interviews with yeah. people that worked at Atari back then. Uh, scans. Like a promotional blurbs. scans, uh, you get the original Syzygy, uh, you know, business card. You get the story of of uh, someone who used to work at Atari found the original computer space at some random ass uh, fucking farm in California and went and bought it. For example, yeah. the story, the infamous story, uh, told by the people that were there and had to go fix it of the palm machine that stopped working because it was filled with quarters. Yeah. Like you hear this from the people that were there at the time. It's like. like- it's like the opposite of watching a YouTube video by random Joe YouTuber and believing everything that's in it. It's like getting an official document from the source, the thing you always wanted from video game companies who are notoriously the, some of the most secretive companies in the world in terms of how the sausage is made. Yeah, you, you hear about exactly how like what you want. the pinball division was a disaster from a guy who worked in the pinball uh, division. You hear about the Atari Cosmos, which always – did you see that section? Uh, I, didn't re- I didn't see that. The, no. I always loved the Atari Cosmos because it's a really interesting story. It was a handheld that was set to come out in, I believe, 81 or 82. It was a, a handheld with a LED, but it had 3D holographic images that still come up, new old stock on eBay. They never, they never produced it, though, and the story came out that um, – they, they, they refused to make it. They had 100,000 in pre-orders. The engineers went there to the toy fair, and they got a bunch of pre-orders uh, from retailers, and they never made it. And I've, I've only seen one. Supposedly, there's only one that still works that exists, and, but I've seen the one with its box, the model at the, at the Video Game History Museum used to parade it around. So you're learning about all this really, like, really cool shit. And and not all of these games, unfortunately, have a playable version. Space Duel, for example, one of the early ones in the seventies, did not have a playable version. But a lot of them but are some playable. Do, yeah, the prototypes. Yeah, it's so cool. A lot of them do, and then some even have the reimagined ones. And yeah. when you play the games, you this is this is shit you can't get from an FPGA Mister. You can get you can have the over you can have like the cabinet on the side, like you really see if you're playing it. You can you can have I, I kept the default filter on monitor filter how it look in the arcade. You can take it off if you want. You can change the perspective yeah. you want. You can you can adapt the controls, uh, the sensitivity of the analog stuff. You can change that on it because yeah. because that's my only minor quibble is like it's kind of tough to play Warlords using the sticks of the pro controller stuff I mean, like that. that. I mean that's a that's a I mean there's not really a great way to there's do not that a way to do that. Yeah. But 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 I'm saying but they gave you every opportunity to like, at least you can adjust the controls the sensitivity you can do that uh, playing playing um, Tempest was still amazing Tempest is one of my favorite Atari games. So Nars Revenge, the remake is also I didn't even I didn't even get there good. yet because I'm going through every piece of material. You can do the you can do the trick where you flip back and forth between the Atari graphics and the pretty graphics on Yars. It's oh. awesome. Yeah. Our, our pal, by the way, our pal Harris Scott Warshaw obviously is featured heavily uh, with this. Um, and it gives you a percentage of completion to go through and look at every piece artifact piece. Even just yeah. to click on it, you can zoom in on things, uh, promotional flyers and things like that, instruction manuals from like the arcade. So there's the unlocks too. There's, there's, there's unlocks locked, for that. There's locked games that have like 
hints, like puzzles of how to figure, how to unlock them. Well, I, th- I believe at least one you have to like do a complete like look at every artifact and go through it. For yeah, example, but they, if you click on each one, it has like a little rhyme that like gives you a clue of what you need to go oh. look at. It's like it's really like going to a museum and following like the kids' course. You know, like I haven't really even got it. off the timeline, Alex. I'm like, this is a cool way to, to play games and learn about them. Going through the history, like this has not been yeah. done to this extent that I've seen. And okay, we're gonna throw in random interviews along the side and things like that. Like yeah, new well, interviews. We're talking specifically uh, about this product and how great this specific product is. But I think the real revelation here, uh, and I, I was feeling the that same Atari way. did like, something correct. Like, well, not even that. <laughs> just like that. That this is something that that is correct. Like this should be done constantly. Like looking at this and playing this. You know, Atari is great, and they have some great games. But like, you know. As somebody my age, I'm definitely like to me the Atari of my youth was Nintendo, right? Sure. And looking at the freaking Netflix Nintendo thing that they got going on with the Switch Online, and seeing this, and knowing how much money Nintendo has compared to Atari, and just thinking to myself like, with a little bit of extra sparkle, we could be getting that love from these games in a way where some guy on YouTube with questionable politics isn't controlling the context of the information. I just think that's really cool, and I think that. It's time I, – I've been seeing in general more of an interest in creators of video games uh, opening up. Kojima has a podcast. Uh, well, Grasshopper Manufacturers doing these like dev diaries with Suda51 and getting into his process. Japanese companies even opening up the doors and showing things, which is so not Japanese – uh, video game industry vibes. That's probably I mean? uh, that's probably uh, the our influence North America and Europe probably bleeding over finally, because they realize yeah. this is not this is important. Like history yeah. is important, legacy is important. Video games need to mature. Video well, games we need to preserve this finished. because this is you're not going to see an Atari hundredth. These people are all going to be dead. Like we're talking about, like you know, um, Bushnell. No one Bushnell's like eighty years old at least at this point, right? Right. Uh, a lot of these people that work in these games are in their uh, late fifties to like seventies. Like the youngest right. person is going to be in their late fifties. This is fifty years, even forty years ago. Like Howard Scott Warshaw, so he's probably I think he's around sixty or early sixties at this point because he was a, he yeah. was like a teenager then working on you know ET. That's my other complaint. Obviously, they can't get all these licensed properties. You're all the gonna, games that you really kind of want to see like that, yeah. You're not going to see Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Well, yeah. if you want the story about ET, you got to watch. Uh, I'm going to pump the video game years. You got to hear about. About how Scott Walsh will talk about in the video game years. We're not going to hear about it on here. There, pro- right. I haven't gone through all of it. There probably is a slight massaging of facts and historical events to make it look more favorable to Atari. Probably, I haven't gone through all of it. For example, I'm uh, sure, I'm sure a little bit, but that, that's to be expected. That's fine. But they did give Ralph Bear credit for coming up with the you know console video game '72 things like that. They didn't like ignore him. Um, we need culture and we need context for video games to deepen and grow even more. Like there needs to be a Beowulf of video games in 600 years. A like, Beowulf. What do you think the Beowulf is? You talk about the, just like the the one story that writes down or tries to compile everything. Is that what the, you mean? The, Beowulf is like the Ur English text. It's like it's the, the original. The, yes. Yeah. Like what is like what is the Beowulf of video games? I think that that conversation is going to be had through the publishing of many collections like this and we start to as a public not just understand games that we like and games that we remember from our own lives but starting to get that same sort of feel that you get from sports you know like 100 sure. years of Dodgers history 100 years of well, Padres well, history or 50 years <laughs> with Atari yeah Padres yeah, um, yeah well there was like 
by the way, this collection also has clips. I, like I said, this stuff probably becomes drier once you get to the late 80s to 90s. They probably don't interview people that worked on the, the Jaguar games. If they do, forgive me. That's probably not as interesting, though, as the people in the 70s and 80s. But there was a – did you see the news clip from, like, 73? Like, the yeah. local black white news with Bush? I said to myself, where the hell did they find this? Because it's, it's talking about, like, shipping out – they want to ship out, like, 3,500 Pong units all over the U.S. Well, or whatever. it's like – And I'm frank, like, this is amazing. Right? It's, I mean, it's, it's the Video Game History Foundation, Digital Eclipse. They're, like – Buddy, buddy, right? Isn't Frank like? Still well, he used to, he used to work with him. Yes. Yeah. He used to. But he, obviously, everyone everyone knows each other. But like, yeah, this is a, a ton of love and care. The fact that they basically have new games in here, a new Quadra Tank game. I don't know if you play that four player Dude, game. That, I would. I, that should be in a bar. That's a great idea. It was, it was, it was kind of tough for me to get used to it because it's like a, a real tank where you have two different movement. Four player shifters. combat, dude. Let's go. Like, come on. <laughs> I know you love combat. I just, so that's my only <laughs> quibbles. You can't tell the history of Atari without games like E.T. and their her- and their horrific Pac-Man port. Obviously, that was never going to be in, in, as a part of this or mentioned, stuff like that. You can't, though. You can't tell the history of it without the, without the lows. You can't. No. But um, there is a Pac-Man museum. You know what I mean? Like, though, like I just, I love that the, the, the trend I, is out there. I want, I, I mean, specifically, I want to be able to play the crappy Pac-Man 2600 port on this collection. And I want to hear them talk <laughs> about how it was a disaster and they knew it when they were developing it. Because that really is a game that sunk the industry was that. Give it, give it 25 uh, more years and I'll be comfortable enough, I think, to talk about that. The Disney's, other is the other about their mistakes too sure the other dorky thing there's no you cannot alter dip switch settings in any of the arcade games yeah that would have been nice but they probably said oh we're gonna leave it on the default but it would be nice they can always update that easily in in an update it's such it's such a clean package that i think that a little bit of stuff like that that's like you're now you're getting into like now you're getting into because because when you traditionally even when like for example in certain instances for guidebook, there are is like the Williams arcade classics. There is the the, the you know the Namco collection. You can a- update the dip switch settings when you want to play Tapper or Spy Hunter. You can put like the bonus points levels, the extra lives. That would have been nice, but like you said, this is more consumer friendly. It's not like a you know what I mean? Like it's not for like that expert that it's wants a clean, to clean. It's a yeah. clean, beautiful thing. It's for kids and adults alike it's to like dumb down, damn it. It's dumbed down yeah. too. <laughs> But like, okay, like shout out this, shout out the the rare replay, which is another beautiful like. Never play that one. Lots of, it's really well done, and I mean the amount of games that's on there, they go from you know crappy arcade games from a long, long, long time ago to like Xbox three sixty on that one, which is wild. But like all that stuff, that's good, and I think that even more so than like specifically Atari, which I really think like is a great place to start, just because it's such an important company to the history of video games. This is the type of stuff, if you're like a lifer video game adult, this might be something you might want to have a look at and, and enjoy games in a less uh, self-centered way. I don't know how to describe that better, but like less about your experience and more about being a gaming person in the big conversation. I, I think the value is incredible. I'm not saying yeah. – I'm never going to be a person that would be like, oh, they should have uh, charged 120 bucks for this. But for 40 bucks, for 40 bucks, you get 100 games, yeah. which is like – Nuts. And more than any of the, more than any of these other retro compilations, you get Lynx and Jaguar games, which never are put on these compilations for the they most part. They just look so awful on your computer. Like and this is plus a, a revelation. Plus, Jaguar is is arguably the hardest uh, console to emulate. It's it's one right. of the top two or three, along with the N sixty four and like Saturn, for example. You get that. You get all the historical stuff. 
all the I'm like advertising for I don't care. You get all the uh, documents you never saw before in your life, all the video clips you never saw before in your life, the new interview stuff, and and you get up to what is it? Up to like ten brand new games, fresh, freshly developed games. The thing that's also like, uh, did, I, did I talk about Airworld already? No, you didn't. I didn't even get to that. So they they basically took what they finished up. Airworld was never was produced originally. It was, it was a, uh, one of the, the quest worlds that was never made. Yeah, which is like a game that's like. That's that'd be like if Half Life Three came out in fifty years. So imagine if you if you had you had Fire World, you had all those games when you were a kid, and you're yeah. waiting for the, the the fourth game to come out. Is it third or fourth? It's a fourth. It's one, the right? fourth. There was supposed yeah. to be like a treasure hunt, right? Like there was like a real life treasure hunt yes. happening with those games. Yeah. yeah, they 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 commissioned jewelry and swords and shit to get made. And I think for the first couple contests, they might have given that stuff, but who the hell knows? Yeah. So yeah, so they basically finished up a game that should have been finished almost uh, forty years ago. That's like unthinkable like yeah. territory no i'm like this is this is the bar i mean you're talking about to someone i mean i i was buying these compilation stuff at comp usa on cd-rom when i was 14 15 that was the first sort of generation of these compilation packs in the early 90s on super nintendo um you had uh a two or three different compilation carts then i had like the activision atari one that i bought for probably 10 i bought that for like 15 bucks in 94 this is 40 right. bucks 20 years later account for inflation this is like almost the same fucking price and it's a, a thousand times better yeah. than that activision I, pack i got it's it's mind-blowing and honestly uh, like i don't know what the vibe is in japan with regard to this type of stuff, like I know that I would say as a as a layman, as a layperson, mm-hmm. I would feel I say I would feel like there's more compilation, there's more respect for compilations in Japan. Sure, uh, you know, like you'll you'll find like oh like they release like every Dragon Quest game or like every like the Mario All Stars like Japan only Wii one or whatever. Like I I don't know what the vibe is there, but I think it's interesting right now that like Digital Eclipse specifically name dropped Digital Eclipse is like doing a great job with this. Sure. And uh, the only other place I'm seeing it coming out of Japan as a Western consumer is in places like the Sega Genesis uh, mini uh, where they're also like making new game gear games and making like, you know, they're having fun with it and M2 and Digital Eclipse are the companies that people should be looking to. Like if you're an industry person and you're watching the completely unnecessary podcast, I've been led to believe that some movers and shakers in the world are our listeners to this. To this what podcast. did I tell you? I didn't tell you that. Did I? I'm just saying, I'm are, just saying you, are you hearing things? No, you know, this is a well-known gaming podcast. There's only a few of those that are truly listened to for retro, who, for retro, who make, who make the decisions. There's only a sure. few that people care about. And okay. so if you're listening right now, these are the, these are the people that you need to either hire or look to to get your games out there. All those games that are languishing in like, maybe we should do a remake of this. Maybe we should do whatever. This is your meal ticket. I have another meal ticket for you that I'll pitch to you later, but this one is the only one that there's a precedent for. Before we transition to the next uh, topic, I will just say this. If Nintendo put out one of these, say just all their games in the seventies, arcade games, it would sell so many out of pure curiosity and people not knowing what Nintendo made other arcade games yeah. in the 70s or they made they actually made a wild gunman like with with real people on a projector like they made it they like that would be such an interesting product even if it didn't have a ton of game stuff on it recreated you probably could try to recreate like the like the uh you could find an old print of the wild gunman one and try to do you know like use your switch remote to shoot or something you probably could do stuff like that but the point is 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 like there's a market now, I think, for this type of stuff that's done to this quality or close. And you yeah. could probably honestly do these now 
like Calabunga collection, you could probably do one for obviously the Mario games. You can do one for like the Metroid games and th- put and throw in all this material behind the scenes and interviews. This is, I think, opening up a brand new avenue of game preservation and sort of histor- historical documenting that I did not expect to this. I was hoping, but like th- this is this is the standard. I'm I happy mean, to say it's the 90s all over again. Like. I wouldn't have. I have a. I had a. I'm a big movie watcher. My 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 thing is I'm a big movie watcher. I have a huge VHS collection that I now don't really use that much because in the 90s when DVDs dropped, what convinced everybody to buy all the movies again? You know, like literally was just all the extra crap that was on there and being able to see the movie in like high deleted scenes, director's commentary. Yeah, yeah, like the the Criterion like. Collection. Remember that like, wacky uh, one of the earlier DVDs I still own the earlier the M- Memento DVD, which had like you know, like figure one, out a puzzle in order to access yeah. stuff. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, uh, that's in the Atari collection. You know, that's kind in of there. yes, not not that yeah. not up not up not that obtuse. Not that obtuse. But, <laughs> you're right, but yeah, uh, like we guess watch the movie backwards. Yeah, I, I have that exact same copy. But I'm just saying, man, yeah. like Nintendo's flirted with greatness. I've seen those little handhelds they've made. You know, those things were excellent. Those are a nice little reverent product. You okay. Know? Same well, thing with the Game & Watch collections that they used to put so out they, on Game they, Boy. So they flirted with it, but we'll see if they jump in wholeheartedly with something. The like this ball big. is in your court. But imagine if Capcom did one just with like just with the NES Mega Man games and maybe the Super Nintendo ones. Like, uh, it, would, yeah. it would sell nuts. Capcom's like been flirting with it, too, with their arcade uh, collections that are pretty nice. You know, like... They're not but but that's nice not this. this. That's not. No. We're gonna talk with people. We're gonna find old documentation. Yeah. Or we're gonna throw right. the shit at you, like like you said, like you're walking through a museum. So hats yeah. off to Atari for doing this and they for leveled di- that shit up hard. And for Digital Eclipse, for this is a, a, a like I want to say I don't want to be too much hyperbole. This is like a historical document to me. And I thank you. One of for the most important it. games of the year for me. One yeah, of the yes. most important releases of the year. Like honestly, this should be talked about. At the, at the video game awards with Jeff Key, like this should be fucking featured. They should do like yeah. they should talk to like I'm serious. Yeah, I'm, serious. I'm with you 100. percent It's a very very exciting thing in a very obtuse way, in a very uh, indirect way. Alex, we have a Patreon. You're not on it, but it's Patreon.com/slash/cu podcast. <laughs> you go, you give us money, as Ian would say. You could uh, Ian, Ian writes once a week. We do a we do we have a pin club to give out the CU podcast enamel pin. Uh, we have a, a monthly Google Hangout. There's lots of fun stuff, but you also get to vote on a poll topic each week. In, you, oh, yes. you, you you can read off. Start with second place here. You can read off. Second Alex. place goes to. Uh, thoughts on VR and the new PSVR 2 price tag? 30% only. 30% of the people. Yeah. And in first place? A great topic. One of the best topics. Uh, only the finest topic. Should Nintendo uh, re-release their old consoles and games? Take 70%. it away, Alex. So before you take it away, we first discussed this. We've been discussing this on and off now for about six years. We were like uh, on the other side of the world talking about We this. were in Santa Fjord in 2016 <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night when it's still light outside on what the street. This is before place. the NES Classic came out, I believe. Yeah. I think they just announced it, and that's where you that's got That's why the, we were talking about it, yeah. The, the NES Classic had just been announced in like, what was that, June or whatever, or May of like... It was selling out like, it was like Amiibo level fever, right? Like, it was crazy. Well, it was going to get to that point, we didn't realize it. But yeah. what did you ask me at the time? What what did you say to me All right, here, on the streets here, yeah. of Norway? Here's the actual pitch that I made you, like business pitch, like Pat's that like Nintendo exec. Here's what I said you should do. Put out, just literally remake 
the Nintendo Entertainment System. Make it again. Same tech, same everything. Maybe not, not an NES classic, not an all no, one. Literally the same this. size. The fucking the fucking thing with the door oh, that you blow door, in. This door's broken, but okay. The VCR looking <laughs> ass American NES that everybody knows, right? And may, maybe put a nice sort of modern output on it. Just to, may, oh maybe maybe put HDMI. You're saying maybe. I I think the HDMI is probably like pretty good and and something that we could say now, but like. Maybe like just to get it onto the good TVs, and I think ten, like like um, like probably not the black box games, but like black box games, ten games that like have the same purpose as the black box games, which is to provide a range of very enjoyable and like famous titles for the system as a sort of jump start. So to so you're talking like like golf and Clue Clue Land and Donkey Kong, but not like but but not like Legend of Zelda. No, no, I'm saying literally forget about like literal black box games. I'm just thinking like early releases that are like a stable of games. You want to have like Mega Man, Castlevania, uh, Mario, Zelda. Okay. You know, you want to put out like the biggest games on the system for the average Joe gamer. Not for, not for, we've seen the void. We know about Nintendo. We've been thinking about Nintendo okay. nonstop for 30 years. But for Johnny on the street, Gen Z Johnny wants to think about 8-bit gaming for the first time. Uh, and you put out a console that can play those games that are actual reproduced same technology NES games, uh, uh, and uh, the new console plays the games that you buy at uh, Retropolis. So, you know so, I mean? so, so you, your your sales pitch is that Nintendo goes back and reproduces like they did thirty five years ago. Um, the old toaster, not even the, t- the front loader, which gets rid of all the issues. Nobody's uh, uh, gonna buy. Line. Nobody's uh, gonna look at that and even know what the fuck it is. They want you got to have the the one the one okay. that everybody can we knows. can we correct the blinking light issues at least and all the bullshit? Yes, we, yes, we can yes. correct it. Okay, we can make the games it's, like playable out of the box, not like blowing on them or rubbing alcohol. You're okay. making the Nintendo. It looks the same, but it's 2022, so okay. it's perfect. And you want yeah. to then sell on the side ten cartridge games that are official reproductions, officially yeah. licensed, like Mega Man, Legend of Zelda. So yeah. go to Capcom, go to Konami, and say we want to come out with a with a new castlevania cartridge and after they say are you joking nintendo you want to actually do that nintendo and in 2022 they would not ask nintendo if they were joking they would say how much how much money do we get sure they still think you're joking but they would like okay so yes in like four seconds bro so you're saying nintendo should do this yeah i think there's a market okay there's a market out there in your opinion that never mind the fact that Retrobit and Hyperkin and other companies have put out um, analog has their FPGA NES retro USB has their FPGA ones besides the fact that there's 10 or 12 different ways to play the actual cartridges again flash cards exist you think there is a market of people that instead of all the instead of buying an old NES Instead of buying an aftermarket, instead of buying a $20 Hyperkin HD Retron, they will buy an original branded Nintendo NES and yeah. official re- licensed reproduction cartridges instead of yeah. buying aftermarket ones. Yes, and one of them is not a reproduction. It's like Super Mario Brothers 4 or something like that. Like it's like that that might be like a little bit ambitious, but like one of them is like the best people at Nintendo making an 8-bit game for the NES. And you're going to tell me it's only going to come out on a physical cartridge and not like on the Switch? Yeah. 
Maybe maybe on the Switch, maybe it comes on the Netflix on Switch, but I'm saying you need to own the market yourself, Nintendo, in the same way, like, okay, record players, let's talk about it. Let's, let's talk about let's, it. Let's talk record about players it. have been around for a long time, right? Like, it's been a while. They never, really, they never stopped being available. You know what I mean? Like sure. From, there's been ebbs and flows, and but now it's on the upswing. But from the enough. from the heyday of like vinyl in the 50s and 60s, like when it was like really 70s. the thing that yeah. – yeah. Like from then to now, if you if you wanted to listen to vinyl, you could as a hobbyist buy something like an aftermarket Technics table or like you know some like really fine audiophile piece of equipment like the equivalent of your analog Super NTs, right? Like six hundred dollar Super Nintendo that's perfect, right? Or Mister, which is like the most like non non consumer friendly product. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's a great product. You should buy a Mister if you love old video games as much as me and Pat and you've seen the void and you know it all doesn't matter. But like, <laughs> you know but, it's all garbage that'll be yeah. in a landfill when we die. But yes. but if you want to make money and your name's Nintendo and you want to uh, change the culture of video games and you want to make retro cult re- oh, retro video game culture like if you want to bring it back into the fold. Whoa, whoa. You don't think Nintendo's already brought it back into the fold with two NES, two, uh, NES Classic, Super Nintendo yeah. Classic, Nintendo Switch Online, uh, re-releasing their old games on compilation packs like no. the Super Mario? You don't think they've it's done software? That. The software is one thing. That's that's one thing. And I think that if anybody's been great about making sure that people can play their games anywhere and, they and, are and, pay, console, and pay the same amount of money again or close to it yes. like no comment on that like <laughs> I, I i can't talk about it. that's a whole other conversation sure. that i i don't necessarily agree with that i'm just saying you can play those games on nintendo consoles if you want at least for the past 10 years sure right since the wii u had like right, the, actually the wii had the great virtual console sure uh you so, can make the argument they brought rep- i always make the argument that retro came back because of two big things the virtual library and youtube yeah, that, the, 100%. The, the, the virtual console, those two things around the same time, 2006, seven. That's what brought retro gaming like really into everyone's uh, homes. Yeah, but when you look now, okay, like when you look now at the resurgence of vinyl, and you look at like people buying record players. Like I remember there was like a stat like around the time that we were talking about this originally, that in England, uh, I don't know if this is still true, but this was like maybe ten years ago or so, or when I when this stat is from that like vinyl actually outsold itunes sure in england right I, I believe that the thing about youtube and this is what you're saying right like the the virtual console stuff and youtubers who are telling you they're like the first tastemakers of like modern retro interests right the scene sure. of retro once it became retro they're like the taste people like james people like you who have been doing it for a long long time right but the difference between you and the person watching you is that you have all this stuff that while yes, they it's out there in the world and they can go get it, you're like the dude that works at High Fidelity, except it's like before people started putting out current records on vinyl again. I get so, it, but but like it, you can be satiated in so many different ways. Obviously, uh, you you can buy a crappy retro pie and throw ROMs on it. Uh, you can buy an NES and buy uh, you know the games at your flea market. We're talking about 10, 12 years ago, the games were pennies in the dollar versus now. So you were satiated that way. So you're looking for that lapsed person that has not gone back into it, is not a collector. There's like 99% of all gamers is who that person is, though. But yeah. something like the NES Classic comes out. They sold 3 million of those total, I believe. I think it was 3. Yeah. It was 2 million. They made another million more. Then, yeah, then the Super Ton Classic, I think they sold 4. Yeah, and, but that's not a hobby. 
So you're trying to create a hobby. You're not trying to sell games anymore. You say you want to make a like a, you want to make it's, a hobby. I'm saying Nintendo's to... business is selling games though. Like, yeah, but they're but selling. They, they games. would sell they the would console. This this is simply a product to get you to buy games. Like if they could sell you games without a console, they probably a ri- would. A rising tide raises all ships. Okay. Right? And if Nintendo sells a new Nintendo, and that's like available, you know what I mean? Like if you can get that. Even if it's like, you know, Nintendo Wii available, like where it was like kind of hard to get for a little while there. And, but eventually like that is going to be enough to like satiate most people. And a lot of the people that are going to buy it are going to be the same people that bought the Nintendo classic. And I will, I'm, I wish there was a piece of spyware in that console that could tell you how much people actually play those fucking things. The NES because, classic. Yeah. Because let me tell you, there is no way. That people play those things. Like, well, then, well then what's your argument? That if they don't play the NES Classic, they're going to buy a new NES and buy and pay yeah, fifty six dollars for yeah, one the game. Hobby, the hobby is now when you when you make when you give them the little baby collectors kit and you show them like see how cool it was, see how neat it is to put it in, see how cool it is to do this. Like you're creating like this one that people can buy, and you're and you're raising the analog NT as this competitor that's like I want to be part of the game collecting. You're saying like you know it it creates the market that all those things could thrive in, but right now we're making it we're keeping it a uh, esoteric sort of like you have to, it's kind of like comic books right now, uh, the retro game market where you have to have fifty years of knowledge to like even get started. But, you, you have to be such a okay. lifer. I understand that, but I think you're taking for granted. The price proposition to get people into this. So you have to sell them an NES that's going to cost whatever. Nintendo will sell. My turntable is two hundred dollars. Okay, Nintendo would not sell that for uh, for forty bucks. They sell a new NES for one hundred and fifty dollars or one hundred twenty bucks. We'll say one hundred twenty bucks. Speakers were one hundred fifty dollars, and my turntable was two hundred fifty dollars. Two hundred dollars. Yes, but not everyone listens to records. That's the point. I know. I'm just Uh, saying, and we're just you know, you're you're comparing. You have to have money and be an enthusiast. So you're trying yeah. to you're trying to build a new enthusiast market, but enthusiast means money. So you have to have an NES for 120 bucks. And now instead of spending sixty dollars for thirty awesome games on the NES Classic, those thirty games are going to cost you two thousand dollars if they're fifty or sixty dollars each. But you as- remember the games as they were. You you're seeing the value because you remember what it was like to play Zelda when it was the coolest shit in the world. But, and that's okay. a totally different thing than what... But why can't they buying. get that feeling that they're buying an aftermarket, actual old 35-year-old cart? Because the magic of opening the Nintendo and <laughs> pushing the thing down. Like, but don't wait, you see that? Don't you see the appeal of that? I don't see you know? it. I have, a, I have a fucking wall, though, Alex. Of course like, I like, see it. Like, like, okay, like, okay, like when I sit there with my friends and I play... Uh, and I go, hey, uh, Alexa, play Despacito, right, or whatever. And I'm and and she plays some music. Everybody just kind of keeps talking and like chats as the music plays. But when I go in my living room and there's people around at my house and I say, oh, I'm gonna put on a record, they watch me put on the record and they have questions about like how you I, use a record player and they all sit quietly and listen to the nice, beautiful music I, that's coming from the thing and that's exciting and they read the note, they read the the uh, sleeve and they pull out the liner notes and we talk about the music as we're listening to it. I have the liner notes. I have all the manuals for my games on the shelf. I'm just I, saying there's an experiential element. And maybe you're like you're I, the guy who like self released a book and you're like doing all these things like going outside of the system already. You're maybe not the I'm guy an outsider. for this. You are. You're maybe not the guy who's like gonna fall for this sort of marketing story that I'm concocting <laughs> here. 
I'm just saying it's like, no, your story's fine, but the aftermarket exists and satiates that. So if you're going to search it, you're going to find it. Yeah, that's my point. It's the same thing. It's the same thing when Dungeons and Dragons became mainstream, and everybody had to accept that even the basic people are going to be playing Dungeons and Dragons now, what? and that there's room for everybody. No, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not gatekeeping. No, no, it's not gatekeeping. I'm just saying, like, no normie in the world is going to go to Retropalooza and like not our norm, sh- like shop between yeah. five NESs and like knock on them like cantaloupes to find the one that's not going to catch on fire when they take it home, <laughs> and then mod it themselves <laughs> so that it goes on their fucking HD TV, like. You just got to give them a little push, and then you'll see the retro. The retro will become like it'll become. You know, like when you go into a library and you feel like you got to be quiet because it's amazing in there. Okay, that's what we want for video games. We have that's, that though. No, we've we've had we we've don't. had a retro uh, renaissance the past six seven years. If we had it, we wouldn't be losing our minds at the f- one time a company decided to put out a beautiful historical collection. No, 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 no. That's different. This, this, <laughs> this, saying. this is this. This is a celebration of the history of a company of 50 years. This is a product. This is different than you saying what you're saying is Atari should go back and make the original VCS and reproduce combat cards. I don't think that's Atari what you're saying. Greatest. I don't think Atari would be the greatest first. Tri- I think the Nintendo would be a much better first move for this. Because- like you're saying a company like, I don't know, in television <laughs> should make a new television. I'm definitely not saying that. And I don't think that anybody <laughs> who has tried to do that in the past was necessarily making the greatest business decision. I, said I think it's maybe time to eat humble pie about that. Uh, no, no, it, 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 we still don't know what's going on with that. But um, Alex, I love you. We, we will have this conversation. I will be on my deathbed. You'll be visiting me in hospice. And I'm going to bring you a beautiful fresh in nes in its package and you're gonna unwrap it. <laughs> a fresh officially fucking... officially licensed cartridge nes in and the year 26 and a rob and you're gonna lose it's gonna mind. have a rob it's gonna have a rob <laughs> you're the special edition has a rob the special edition for, for the two games that no one played like 500 dollars one has a for rob the that... for the one game that you played for a half hour and for the second game that no one owns that's the 500 dollars one that has that's shaped like a famicom that you can buy yeah i'm just saying that shit would be like if you think like I think part of the retro community, right? Like I would actually buy if they if they came up with a new working Rob, like they actually had a new Rob. I would buy that because it's yeah. so fucking weird. Yeah. I would actually buy that. I yeah. would. I'm just yeah, I'm just uh, saying like I think I, I I'm interested to see. I think I'm probably just like your audience is just gonna like shit on me a bunch, but I think I think they love you. Like I love you, but we think you're insane. I just mean about uh, this. I just I think there's something to what I'm saying. The, I think there is something to the experience of it and to the like like i think that the people that have been doing it this whole time and carrying the flag and stuff and 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 pounding the drum of of retro games all these years Uh i was there i was there in the trenches with you man i was there you know what i mean i went to the cons i was there you You know i've been doing this for a decade now right Uh like i'm not throwing you guys in the trash i'm just saying what we've been waiting for is for people to take this seriously like if you're promoting something it's because Wait, but they like- have taken it seriously the on the switch online it, it means they're taking it seriously people want to play the older games again there's but there's no collector element to that why like, does there not- okay that's that's interesting. why do you think there has to be a collector element why because can't we just enjoy think, the games 
I think part of the reason that the 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 used book and the used record trade works so well and is so enjoyable. What do you mean works so well? Nintendo makes more money than all the record stores and used bookstores in the world combined. What are you talking about? Yeah, but used books have been around for five thousand years. Well, because books have been around forever. What do you mean? But that's what I'm saying. Like they're still around. I'm just saying, like the reason (laughs) that these things are like things that will be around forever. And not video games, which some people are still convinced are like a fad. Even yeah, though no, 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 no. Games will be around forever. It's the newest entertainment medium. It'll be, well, you know, maybe, maybe. No, well, you know, like who knows? But I'm just saying, like right now, we're we're finally passing the point where people are conflating video games with tech uh, advancements all okay. the time. I think we're starting to think about them as a as as in that next step as a medium but as a culture. That's because art. of the progress of innovation, which you're which you're argument goes in the face of because it has nothing to do with innovation it's rehashing old products that are 40 years old there's a lot more commercials than there are criticism out there about video games in the marketplace like there's still a lot more about the bottom line and like capitalism and selling the games right now than than it is about atari 50th anniversary collection and the type of thoughts that create something like that and i'm just saying that releasing your old consoles and games is not a financially uh like unsound idea for nintendo like we all know that if they put this out it would sell out before it was released we know this i would i would argue that it would have to be based upon the price the audience and what because they said two hundred dollars for a new old nes and they made three million of them. I don't know if it would sell out versus the and NES play, Classic. And it plays all the games, and it connects to your HD. I don't know if it, I know the size of the retro game market for this stuff. It's not big, Alex. I, mean, I know, but I know you want to. I know you want to get into another. You want to bring in other people. There's a reason. There's a ceiling. There's a reason. There's a ceiling because there's no it. new Nintendos, dude. That's, That's why. <laughs> Time marches on. People throw if, out old technology. You can, but okay, like okay, record players, right? But that's they play. But there has new, been something. Okay. That's your argument, but like the music's the music. The music hasn't advanced that much in Why terms do of people like record players. They, they, they th- a lot of them think it's actually technically superior to CDs, the analog. But it's not. But it's not. People argue it though. They yeah. argue that it's a warmer sound and it sounds distinctly different. However, here's it's the difference, magic, Pat. It's magic. It's it's the magic of the video. Moment, when video games progress in ten years, they will look different than now versus ten years ago. Music. Yeah. You can still produce music the same way 50 years ago and still have a banger of a record. That's the right? difference. That's the difference. Yeah. And I think I think part of the reason for that is because we haven't been using record players. I mean, we haven't been we have been using record players and we haven't been using Nintendo's this whole time. Okay. And if we had yeah. been and if you could put out a Nintendo <laughs> game today because there is a Nintendo on the market, that maybe more people would buy the damn game. So you're still saying we still would be playing Pong if we were still putting out an old console to play pong on that's what you're basically saying people would not have gotten uh, people would not have gotten uh finished with playing games from the 70s and 80s if the technology to play them on still existed there would still be a market look at yeah look at south america look at look at the mega drive like look at look like they made the mega drive for like 15 more years in south america and all they kept doing was making the console cooler they added wireless controllers they kept putting out games it was like oh, yeah, for the they had a niche yeah. look at the neo geo console the, the neo geo uh the cabinets the red ones those things 
far outstripped technology because they were awesome and they were a thing and people just got used to them being a thing. Okay. And so when you go get pizza, you want to play Metal Slug. You don't want to play Tekken 8. You want to, you want to go. Well, well some yeah! people want to play Tekken 8. Some, some people do, and they're not doing it at a, te- at a pizza place. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to go to the laundromat and play Samurai Shogun. I actually think what you just said was the only thing that actually made sense business-wise. Be, but now it's Saudi blood money that owns Neo Geo, unfortunately. I don't even – that's like the saddest thing in my life right now. If they came Geo. out with a new AES, because they had that Neo Geo X bullshit 10 yep. years ago that I don't even know what the fuck it is. It's um, a switch, kind of. No, no, it's just, but it's all just games on a fucking SD yeah, card. It's it's, it's if, ugly, yeah. If they came out, I think this would sell because Neo Geo people are insane. But you would not increase the audience. A new AES because they they did not make a ton of AES, especially North America. A new AES that played cartridge games and the ability for the MVS ones that would be a product. That would. It's too nerdy. It's that way would be too a product. Nerdy. That I would buy. I would be more excited about that than this. That Nintendo. would because like, people want to buy consoleized Frankenstein uh, MVS boards, and people that would be interesting. That should be, be a Q and A for the future. Should I would be, be more excited about show? that as as an enthusiast, as a deep okay. state gaming enthusiast. I would be Alex, more excited about that. I love you. I love your your insanity about this topic. We will continue to have this topic until I'm dead, but we have to move on. Thank you let for your people, input. Let the people speak. Let's see. Let's see what they have to say. I'm interested. This CU podcast segment is brought to you by Into the AM. They have premium, high-quality apparel, including nice graphic tees, basic tees, hoodies, and even boxer briefs. I'm wearing one of my favorites, the Lost Signal t-shirt featuring a CRT monitor and a VCR and VHS tapes. And behind me, you have the Grand Terrain tee, you have the High Tide, and if you want to go underwater, they have the uh, Luminance one over there with the jellyfish. Into the AM offers different collections and themes, space, animal nature skull and festival shirts are ultra soft pre-shrunk tailored fit and use eco-friendly inks into the am is running a bundle deal for their graphic tees which are three for sixty dollars they also have three basic tees for a great discount as well click the link in the description on youtube or if you're a podcast listener use code c-o-n-t-r-i and you'll get 10 percent off these very comfortable shirts and gear go look good and feel good with into the am now our final topic. We're not going to do uh, the uh, the voicemails this week because that's for Ian. The Wii U is going to turn ten years old. We do ones, oh. uh, we do fives and zeros in the CU podcast for anniversaries. It would have been uh, November eighteenth, two thousand twelve, that it came out. Ten years. It feels. I don't know if it feels like less years or more. It, it, it feels about like I think COVID like kind of stretched it out. And now it feels like it was ten years, but it it didn't feel like ten years. Two years. Did ago. COVID make it seem longer or less time? Did it compress time? Did it make it compressed time? And now it feels like ten years. Now it feels like we lost it. We feel like we lost yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So the Wii U came out. It was a uh, a spectacular failure for Nintendo. Um, People say that the Virtual Boy was a bigger failure, but that was a more of a novelty item that Nintendo wasn't that banking on. That was just on. a swing of, of yeah. like a other and a whole other sport. That wasn't yeah. even baseball. There, that was I like, mean, there yeah. was two other systems that were around when Nintendo was doing. There was three. There was the Game Boy, the Super Nintendo, and they were coming out with with the uh, the N sixty four. So like, it was a very minor part of their ecosystem. That was like another market that they that was made up. Yeah, yeah. they try to make it. They, they, yeah, exactly. So like that failure didn't hurt. Nintendo's longevity, they did it didn't hurt their prospects. You didn't have people at the time saying Nintendo should go, th- go third party and stop making consoles. 
with the Wii U's failure, all those questions came up, and, and people were wondering, can this company continue? Never mind the fact that they were ignoring the massive success of the 3DS at the time, which at the time we always said, well, it's bad for Nintendo, but the 3DS is keeping them going, and stuff like the NES Classic Edition helped bridge yep. the path. You can make the argument that if the Wii U was successful, there would never have been an NES Classic Edition, because Reggie fils said back then, uh, for 2016 holiday, we don't have a product to come out with this holiday season. We're going to do the NES Classic Edition. They That's probably the- thought they were going to sell you all that shit on the Wii U, and then there was like more demand for the retro games than there were for the Wii U. Yeah, and they were like shit. We got to put them out somehow. Well, and then they well they did, they did do the, the um the, they the, got all these messages from me, and I was like trying to call them, and they were like oh, let's not listen to that guy, and they just put out the mini. So, what are your thoughts on on the Wii U? Did you like the system? Did you think it was misguided? Like, what are your thoughts? I, I think it's kind of both. Like, I you cannot blame Nintendo for looking at what happened with the GameCube. And then looking at the Wii, which is literally a GameCube, but with interesting controls, uh, pretty much. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm using the word literally. Sure, recently. interesting controls, internet access, yeah. But, like, not a far cry from a GameCube technologically. And suddenly, like, literally my grandma had one, which is, like, compared to the fucking, like, PS2, GameCube, Xbox. If my grandma bought an Xbox... I would be like, what the fuck are you doing, you crazy old lady? Like, but the fact that she bought a Wii U or a Wii, she was like, I wanna like get moving. Like, you can understand why the follow-up to that system, Nintendo was like, This is not for gamers. This is like a family machine that's gonna sit in your house like your blender or your microwave. Let's make and- the super Wii. That's yeah. So you yeah. saw you saw their you saw their their uh their logic with, well, we sold over a hundred Wii's. We weren't expecting yeah. that. We there can was sell a TV all- element. There was like Google Maps, all these weird things. And actually, I think everybody else thought that the Wii U was going to be just more of the just keep the train rolling with Nintendo because I believe that the Wii U and their weird strategy is the same reason why the Xbox One went the way that they originally did where they were like, we're going to be in your living room and the only thing that you need is because they thought that they were going to be competing with a uh, red hot Wii U that was trying to do the same thing, and they were going to outpace it. Like even the even the Halo and like Rabbids TV shows that never materialized that were going to be like part video game. I feel like they were there to like to lap the Wii U at its own game before they realized they didn't have to worry about that. I think the Wii U has excellent video games on it, just like every other Nintendo console that are made by Nintendo. Like I think all the first party games on it are just as excellent as any of the other ones. Obviously, some sure. are not. Some are like not as good as others, but like every single one of them is like even like I I would say the biggest like failure related to why the Wii U failed was that Star Fox game uh, that came out. Uh, Star Fox, where you like look at the screen and you that was fly. that you think was the biggest failure. I mean, it didn't like, help. Like in terms of like it, like I, nobody really liked it. And it was like okay. really complicated for all the reasons that the Wii U was complicated. Like even that game, I think is a masterpiece. Like if you actually meet it where it's at, I think nothing on the Wii U that that anybody has to say should be directed towards the software. I just think that Nintendo overestimated how many people over the age of 50 who already had a Wii would like be like, we also need to buy the Wii U. Well, here's a problem. They 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 lean so much on the casual audience uh, for the Wii. They fail to realize that a casual audience are going to be satisfied with what they have. That they can play that for the next ten years and not have to worry about anything 
because they want the simple games. The, the Wii had a billion of them, and a lot of people that bought the Wii didn't buy more than a few games. Yeah, like, like raise your hand if your grandma still has a Wii. I bet you that's a lot of people. So their miscalculation was, we can go back to this well. They're, they had a few miscalculations. The, the name was fucking terrible. That was, that was just an utter And form factor is too close. When I, I was at the reveal, I was there in, um, what the hell was it? Was it E3 2011? It was when they first announced it, 2011. Yeah. I was there, my first E3. I was there in the Nokia theater, right outside where, where the Lakers play. Outside the, and journalists, people experienced in video games, were asking each other, what is this thing? Is this a yeah. new console? They said, is this, this an add-on? Is this a new console? I kind of realized, okay, this is probably a new console because of the tablet thing. But people were not sure. I think they and thought it was the tablet and that, that people, thing in the box. People was didn't know. And yeah. that's the point. They had they had to come out within a couple of days of E3 and be like, oh, no, this is a new console. So if professional gamers and journalists aren't sure, the consumer audience is screwed. They have no idea what you're trying to sell them anymore. That honestly, none, that was cleared. Uh, honestly, I think that was cleared up after about two months of it being on the market. Like, I don't know because Ian I, I, Luna said people would still come in and be like, "What is this?" That's You're, so embarrassing. Yeah. It's the name was t- terrible. No, I never heard. This isn't like the PS3 or four where it's a different number. It's Wii and you. What the hell does that mean? It should have just been called the Wii Two. It should have been a whole totally different. Uh, the, the, they should never have showed it being a white console because they, they always showed it being a white console, which was the crappy basic one that no one bought. The price was too much money. It was too much at three hundred for the basic shitty eight gig one. It was too much at three fifty. The switch was never uh, three fifty until the OLED. Like that shows you just what a bad value people thought it was at the time. Probably the launch game sucked. Uh, well, the, I I, uh, I disagree, but I am a huge video game hipster. I think that no one was wowed by Nintendo Land in the general. Nintendo audience. Land never caught on like like I thought sports. it was gangbusters, but it was fine. Just, yeah, but it didn't catch on. Zombie U is is a tech demo, basically. It's a, a tech, great game, but uh, not a system seller by any means. It's like, a tech that's demo. Shit, that's like a, that's like a budget game. Yeah. So like they were they were counting on Nintendo Land, and that didn't hit. And the I can't even tell you was there like new Super Mario Brothers U on a, that? There was a Mario game, and it was a great game, but. It was not a 3D game. It was like basically like a spiritual successor to Super. It was the one where you hold the little baby Yoshis that sing, and you have like Monty Mole and stuff. Wii it was a great U game. Launch titles. So your your Ar- deluxe version on Switch. Yeah, New Super Mario Brothers U, Zombie U, Batman Arkham City that was already out for like a year. Um, Ninja Gaiden, I think. Too, Assassin's Creed Three was an early title. Uh, a crappy Call of Duty Black Ops Two. Uh, Scribble Knots Unlimited. Like you're not talking like people are going to run out and buy these games. Uh, there, there's a decent amount. There was 23. Okay, I thought there was like 10 or 12. So there's more than I thought. Uh, Sing Party, Epic Mickey 2. Uh, oh, that was a good game too. Wipeout 3, Just Dance 4. Wipeout? Uh, so ESPN Sports Connection. Tekken Tag Tournament 2. So these aren't a lot of exclusives besides the first party ones. You have inferior ports that were on other consoles like Black Ops 2. And so it was not long for this world and then ea pulls out a few months in when they promised full third-party support they said well this isn't selling at all they stopped and that was the death note it was dead six months in Ubisoft it was dead. was the other one that really hurt when they pu- pulled out because it was dead when there was the rayman uh, game that was supposed to be only on wii u and then they were like uh no 
Do and yeah, it's crazy. And you can get one anywhere. The scalpers took a huge hit. I thought it was hysterical because they tried to scalp it like the Wii uh, back in 2006 and even seven. Right. You couldn't get a Wii, for, a brand new Wii for over a year when it came out. Over a year. Wii U, was, uh, U Wii was sold out for like two days and then that was it. The Wii U was like going on eBay and laughing at people trying to get $500 for it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, you're going to be returning that. You're going to be returning that console. So it also came out in a weird time where smartphones were just starting to take over more. 2012. Not everyone had them, but people were getting adjusted to pretty the much, iPhone. Pretty much every young person had one in 2012 by then, which was really another, like the uh, iPad bodied the Wii U. That's the thing, though. They were trying to do, they, they, they came out with a console that should have been mobile, but wasn't. And so they didn't connect the dots. Obviously, the, the Switch, the, the Wii U, uh, you know, uh, walked so the Switch could run. We know that now. We know that now. But they didn't realize that, hey, you're, you're, you have mobile concepts on this. You can walk around your house and play on it as long as you're in the Bluetooth range. But they didn't realize I was, that, I was that son of a bitch all the time. But they didn't realize that that was not enough of a selling point versus going outside your house or taking it somewhere. That's why people had a 3DS. So they didn't realize they were trying to cannibalize. They were trying to like impose on another market, a mobile market, but it wasn't powerful enough at the same time. So it was a weird combination of uh, not enough. No, almost no third-party games that people cared about. Um, people were, conf- I think, consumers were confused even years into it. I think it was overpriced for what and it was. It's also sort of their PS4, right? Like it's not. It was like, like supposed to be toe to toe with some stuff that lapped it. Sure, you did get full HD for the first time, so that was. That was the thing that was weird was they were benchmarking it and releasing it with games that were like on the previous gen that had been out for like five years. Sure. The Wii uh, didn't really compete in that way. They weren't like trying to have the same games. I think that was another big problem. Yes. I When I first – I thought it would be a, a, a success at the time just because I was like there's some interesting stuff you can do with the second screen. There's some really interesting stuff. They never did that, though, and it was almost like I was overthinking the couch co-op would have been bigger than what it was. But it was uh, great for uh, uh, Nintendo DS ports, and also, I will say that there was a glorious time for, like, five months where... What were the five months? When I played when, like I, a, when I was playing Mario Kart 8 for five months, what was it? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, there was, like, a great period for, like, five months where you could NES be the remix. only one... NES Remix, the, there you go. You could be the only person in your friend group who had the Wii U, and everybody would come over and you'd play Nintendo Land maybe like two times before everybody got over it. Like before everybody was like not wowed by the novelty of playing hide and seek with like a different thing happening here and a different thing happening here. Like they were right. Like it was a great idea for party gaming. It just like once you get over the uh it's like trying to play bioshock twice like you're not going to get the like impact of it every time that you play it you it's the same thing with the wii u yeah it's cool that you're running in a maze but there's five fucking mazes like how long till we just master this you know what i mean how long can we play nintendo land i think i had nintendo land i had obviously the nes remix pack was NES. That's a great game too for um, if you love the nex i had i always buy the WarioWare games because they're always unique and kitschy i had that i had uh Mario Kart 8, and now I'm running out of games I actually had on the Wii U. I think I had like tank, five. Tank, tank, tank. Uh, it was a great one. Uh, what was that? The Devil's 
third or something? Oh, the one, the one that they're trying to, they try to scalp and then they, they made more of them because they realized, Hey, we can still make these games. So they came out Ninja Gaiden sword guy game. That game rules. I remember, I remember talk, I remember railing on the eighties trying to scalp that where I said, dude, this is a new game. Nintendo can make any tomorrow. And that's the, it still might be worth money, but that went from like a $300 game back down to like $70, like in a week. Yeah. Really quick. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X is a great game that's still not been released elsewhere. Uh, that was like a major release. On I the think Wii U. it's that and Star Fox are the only ones that have been re-released on the Switch, right? Those are the two big ones. Star Fox will never come out, and I think uh, the there was a Paper Mario that was quite good on there that never. You don't think they're going to re-release? They wouldn't do the Star Fox on the Switch. They wouldn't modify it for the Switch. The you had to fly on one screen while looking out the window of your gun on the on the gamepad, like it's. Almost impossible to play that game not on a Wii U. You need two screens. Split screen it on on the screen. Split screen. It. <laughs> that would be no, because you have to hold. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't think okay. that people you're... would buy that. I don't think people would buy that. You don't think they I would do think it? People, I don't. Like, nobody likes that game. Nobody had like I. Me and Gerard, I think, are the only two people in the world who have like loved that. Uh, game. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna call you out. What, what, what was that one called? Star Fox. Star Fox. Wii U uh, failure. What? Wii U failure. That was the name of Star Fox. It's a platform zero. game. Zero. Star yeah, Fox Star zero. Fox zero. Let's see what it got on Wikipedia. Like, what is the Metacritic on that? Seven out of ten, nope. eight out of ten. That's not think, bad. I don't. I don't think anybody today has anything nice to say. Metacritic gave it sixty-nine. Nice. So it's seven out of ten is not bad. Yeah, I I would be interested though in in uh, play date on that game. I cannot imagine that people like that game that much. Okay, because, I always said like it'd be because there because there has not been a Star Fox on Switch. I said there has to be a Star Fox on the Switch. Why not just repurpose this one at least? At least you, do that. They should just put out Star Fox 64, uh, the 3DS version. Like, that was great. There you go. You can do that. Or just put out a new Star Fox. What the hell's going on? Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of weird things that happened. Like, the technology was was rapidly changing at the time. The I love marketing, the apps. The marketing sucked on it. The 3DS was still going strong for another three, four years on top of that. And people did not want a non-mobile console. They're like, no, what's the point of this thing? Especially for the price. 350 350 just, the market just uh, wasn't there like nobody wanted any of the new stuff no the, the te- fact that you could use the wii controllers that was like uh-oh you thought that was uh-oh versus like a quality thing it was like oh we gotta go back to the well on this honestly the closest thing i can think of to the wii u and it's so funny because they're seemingly not failures the, right now are the just the two current consoles uh-huh. like there's no real dis- discernible difference between a ps4 and a ps5 right now like what can you do on a PS5 that you can't do on a PS4, genuinely. Play Demon Souls? It's just an upgrade. We, we always we always said it was like kind of like the Vetrex, the Wii U, because it was like the games were so tied to the console and you yeah. couldn't play them any other way because of the two screens. But they figured out a lot of them on the re-releases. Yeah. So. I just got to say, though, like, it's so weird. Like, it's so weird that people criticize the Wii U for all these things that it did wrong, like not being distinguishable and not having any actual games on it that weren't already on other things. Mm-hmm. And here we are now. I mean, you can give some slack for COVID and the fact that all these supply chains were interrupted and development on games, yada yada yada. But it's been a few years now, and we're kind of inching our way back towards the light, I would say. And yet, every big game like Horizon came out on PS4, and it runs great. Like, what's up with that? Like, what do we? What do we? Why were we so mad at the Wii U when? What's when the deal with the Wii U? Like, <laughs> why? Like, God of War Ragnarok is on PS4. Like, what's going on? What's up? 
Like what? Like what the hell is happening? Just, just have have the guys not look as realistic. That's all. Just downgrade this the, the models. That's all. I get, like, but because not, because because console? because there's been no gameplay innovation. It's just been better graphics. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's you can it. actually play the cyberpunk copy that you own if you have a PS5, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you can actually it'll actually run. It won't blow up your console. By the way, the burn. new update for Cyberpunk looks great on PS5. Uh, just throwing it out there. Just, they, throw, they, just throwing out there. Two years after release. Just I, this is like there. this is like a whole this is a separate this is a whole other conversation. But it's been I'm two or saying, three years. That was no, that was pandemic. It was late. It was two. It was two years. Two years. But I, I'm going to just say, speaking about the Wii U turning ten, it's funny how we've changed our criteria for what a like a, a game company should be doing for their consoles because now the people with PS4s are like, don't forget about me, and like that's enough to like not have there be PS5 games, and yet people are buying PS5s. I have one right here. Well, the, well it's already why. shifting though because it was the article came out. Now we're shifting, we're changing subjects. That um, developers on Xbox say we, I want, we don't want to support the uh, the S. It's it's a it's an albatross around our necks because we don't want to have to have a crappy version of it anymore. Yeah, the PS4 is an, is the albatross also. Like the PS4 is their S. But the S is really underpowered. I guess like really, <laughs> it, it's better than a PS4, but not by much. It just has really good like onboard hardware for the like system to operate. Oh, okay. It's fine. Like, but it's not as it's it's nothing compared to the X. The X is like the finest video game console ever made. Like it works perfect. The PS5 works perfect, but you're still playing the same games as your friend who hasn't bought a console in seven years. So what's the point? That it's all about the games. It goes back to, goes back to the, our, our Wii U conversation. It goes back to, you know, talking about reproducing NESs uh, from 50 years ago. It's all about the games. Can you play the games? Can you play good games on it? If not, the console does not matter at all. We'll see. We'll see, Pat. Well, well, that's oh, that's it, uh, Alex. You've done a great job filling in. You're you're my brother, in Felt a way. Great. You're my West Coast brother. Is there anything Felt you want to promote or plug? Where, where, where can the fine folks reach you at? Please listen to my podcast, the Chiluminati Podcast. Uh, it's a great podcast. It's about paranormal stuff and murder and conspiracies and uh, weird news uh, and stuff like that. And if you need a if you need a a, a, tra- a tra- training wheel version. Uh, uh, to get you into it, I appear in an episode talking about my ghost house. So yeah, Pat was the only guest who ever came on the show. It actually like got us talking more than uh, we got him talking, which was pretty amazing. It's, uh, like, it's like I've done this for a bit. The podcast, yeah, it was a good, it was a good episode. You should go check it out. And also, please, the Super Beard Bros show on YouTube is a great show that you should go watch. Thanks so, so uh, much. And uh, again, uh, Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. Alex and I talked midterm elections, oh, red man. versus blue, donkey versus elephant. Bet you guys can't guess where I landed. Uh, well, I, I'm, they're going to call me a leftist uh, weirdo after listening to that one. So. Uh-oh. That's how I know that's not right. I've, I've been called a right-winger and a leftist on online before. I'm like, wow, I guess I must be doing at least a little bit right. sounds like somebody who's confident in their opinions is what it sounds I guess like. so, but like, I guess the, the right-wing thing hasn't come up too often in the past you know, few years. Uh, but <laughs> I've never thought that once about you, my dude. I, like, I think it was just something about... It's only the only time I've ever conservative even a little bit is probably the fiscal stuff that's about it but it's like i can't even rem- remember having a right-wing stance in anything whatever Pe- people think that you're an extremist if, if you don't agree sometimes i don't even remember so. what the fuck right wing used to be five years ago i like who, who fucking knows right wing right wing five years ago was privatizing social security that's like, what it was 
That I'm was not like, into that, but I'm not. But that was like extreme. That was yeah. like extreme ten years ago. You want to do what with with, with people with social security? You want them to, to to spend their own money? Like that was like that was extreme. But now yeah. that's like oh, that's so quaint to have that, to have that opinion. Yeah. Like I don't know what the hell right wing is anymore, but I, I don't think either. Oh, of us oh are that. now it's just marching into the Capitol building and and, it, <laughs> and doing harm to members of Congress. You know, like that's what right wings turned yeah. into, like extreme right wing. Yeah, patriots. Yeah. Anyway, oh that's it. Goodbye out there. We'll see if Ian's back next week. Uh, thanks, Thank Alex, so for for doing this. I got a, a long night ahead of, of uh, editing, but this was fun. Take care. Have a great time.